I'm trying to help you. There's We're live. Once again, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing on live TV. What you talking about? He doesn't know. Nobody knows what he was doing. <laughs> I know what he was doing. <laughs> I know what he was doing. You're going to be on a bulletin board, man. No, I, no. Oh, actually, that, that, you guys don't do bulletin boards anymore. You're going to be on Twitter and Instagram, like in a little right. video, in slow motion. <laughs> You know, <laughs> my mama said, you know, my mama <laughs> All said, right, guys, we, we got a long show. I'm not going to waste you guys time with our little cold open. We try to be like Saturday Night Live. I'm going to hit the button. We're going to get to it. All right. Any big picture surprises from last week? Anybody on the panel? Anything that just stood out to you that surprised you last week? Game wise. Game wise. I Your mean, game, I, anybody's I was, game. I was surprised. I was surprised after all the scrutiny that Hickory's took. I didn't, I thought that they would put up a little bit bigger fight than what they did. So you know, I knew it would be a close game. I think Butler's a tougher opponent, and they're more used to these type of scenarios in the playoffs, but. I mean, I don't think Butler ever was in phase of losing that game, were they? I think they part, nothing. I think the part a lot of people aren't talking about with that game, and again, Jupiter's not going to be one to make excuses, but both of our teams came out of the game, uh, the Hickory Ridge Cox Mill game, pretty banged up. I mean, that was a war. Yeah. Um, looking at the stats, looking at the people, Jupiter started his starting JV running back in that game versus Butler, who mm. played a great game. But I mean, when you're down to your third running back, and again, mm. other things I'm sure that they had to deal with, but I, at least from the outside looking in, saw that. So I, got you know, you. I think that's been a thing between sickness, everybody, you know, stay healthy, and, and a lot of the injury bug. I think it's been biting people at yeah. the wrong times, and I think they unfortunately caught the, the, the bad end of that. Yeah. Chris, okay. anything for you that stood out around the state this last week that jumped out at you? No, not really. Um, you know, I think that it, it the teams that most of us expected to win uh, won. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, one team that really stood out, though, that I think flexed some muscles over an exceptionally quality opponent, I think Catholic showed me something going up and really manhandling Reagan the way Reagan, they did. Yeah. Uh, that really stood out. Yeah, that was a big win. Uh, looking ahead to this week, we're going to talk about a lot of games moving to Thursday. Sam, you're going to be playing on Friday at West Mech. How do you like playing at West Mech versus Waddell? Uh, I think it'll be great. You know, I, I'm so, I'm hoping we're getting a lot of support from all the West Side schools um, that are not taking part in the playoffs anymore. I mean, we got a great relationship with with West Mech, uh, Harding. I'm hoping that we get a lot of their fan base to come out. Um, West Mech is actually closer to us than Waddell, so that's a great thing as well. So mm -hmm. we're playing on turf, so we don't know how bad the weather's yeah. going to be, but uh, I think playing on turf, you know, helps us out because we practice on it. Well, the forecast is changing a lot, but the latest is it looks like it's going to come in Thursday night at some point, and then rain all day Friday and kind of stop right about six or seven o'clock. So that's those right. grass fields are going to be pretty bad. I don't know how the turf is going to be, but those grass fields are going to be pretty bad shape. <clears throat> yeah. So you think it's safe to say that this time with West Mech and West Charlotte, that weather won't intercept anything? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? There you go. All right. Uh, it's time to find out who Grice has trimmed our Mr. Football list to. We're going to be down to eight players, the eight best players in the state. We're going to trim that down to three in a couple of weeks with our finalists and then name a uh, Mr. Football, North Carolina, the Weekend State Championship game. So we play Grice's theme music. He'll be on deck.
All right, guys, here are Mr. Football. Uh, I guess I'll call them semifinalists. So they're down to eight before our big chop down to three. Um, you've seen a lot of these names here. Again, I'll go over the names first, um, go over some of your movers and shakers, and then I'll pass to the group to kind of get their thoughts and, and surprises with the with who we have here. Uh, so we start here again, Jalen alexander Rayner. you know, we're still maintaining the top spot. He's been having an exceptional year so far. Um, you got second here, Jaden Davis, actually, Providence Day quarterback. Um, he's there, again, having a phenomenal year. They're still in the playoffs. Mason Fortune uh, with Mil for Millbrook, quarterback there. Again, he's been up here pretty much the entire year. Um, has a big game coming up this week that they, you know, they're going to need four quarters of an excellent performance from him. Uh, we have Mason Avery here at number four, uh, his highest uh, spot there. Again, his season just ended this past Friday. But, again, kudos to him for an exceptional year. Uh, we have the, the Carolina commit here, Maiden's Chris Culliver at receiver at five, followed directly by Nathan Leacock at Millbrook, uh, the receiver there. Both of them have had incredible years. Again, with Mason Fortune there, his favorite target, you know, the, you know that's received the lion's share of, of those yards Mason has accumulated. And seven and eight, uh, Folger Boaz has made a big jump there. The East Surge mm -hmm. quarterback, again, the younger brother of Jefferson Boaz, that's now at uh, the University of North Carolina, following in his, his brother's footsteps. And finally, at eight, we have Zarian Jackson Bass. Uh, the, I think it's the lead tackler for the Chambers defense and the anchor of that defensive line, really having an exceptional year. I think one or two in, in sacks total in the state, continuing to show that defensive prowess and a big reason why Chambers is you know favored and, and is, is really good position in the playoffs. Um, the big jump I've got to put, I've got to point out here is Jay Davis at Providence Day. Um, you look at the last few years, uh, last few weeks, excuse me. He had 321 yards and seven touchdowns in the past two weeks, really playing limited minutes. And if you look actually extrapolate that out to the past three weeks, Langston, 791 yards, 10 touchdowns, and no interceptions. A lot of that was three weeks ago when he was at Grice's gym playing at Raven Gap, having over 400 yards and five touchdowns. So, again, the last three weeks, uh, Jaden Davis, as we all knew he would, getting into a game where he could actually play a full slate of you know, full quarters, he was able to really be successful there. I think the big thing that's hurt him, and, and we kind of talked about this, is you look at a game like with Charlotte Latin. I mean, he's only playing – you know, I have. You look at country quarter. You know, Langston and I were, you know, kind of been going back and forth about this. And I think that's been one of the things that's hurt Jaden Davis is just really not having that competition. That's required all four quarters of action from him. Um, I think another big guy, Mason Avery made a big jump. You talk a couple weeks of you know, a couple hundred yards, you know, eight, nine, ten tackle games really vaulted him up there. He's one of the highest, uh, you know, highest as far as yard totals for running backs in the state. Then you have to add almost 80 yard or 80 tackles on the defensive side. So, again, one of the best two-way players that we have in this state. Um, and then Folger Boaz as well. I mean, he's been a guy that, that really has jumped up high for us. Um, you're talking 46 touchdowns, four interceptions with almost 3,000 yards, where it helps him as opposed to others outside of Jalen Rayner. He has almost 500 yards rushing and five touchdowns, really showing that that he's a dual threat there. Um, I'll turn it over to everybody, just get, get anybody's thoughts, some surprises. Um, first, I'll start, Guru, with you. Get your thoughts. Well, I mean, I like the list, and, and I do think Jaden Davis made that incredible jump, and I, and I think that he is uh, rightfully worthy of being there in that number two spot. Of course, you know, I don't think many of us are going to argue uh, Jalen alexander Rayner. Uh, I think he's just been on point all season long and is part of the reason why that big machine at East Forsyth is continuing to go. Uh, but I want to tell you, the guy who just continues to stand out on film, and he's going to have an opportunity to really show it in the next two or three weeks against some exceptionally good teams 
is Folger Boas. I mean, I think that young man's got it all. I mean, from that big arm, uh, the legs, to shiftiness with his feet, being able to scamper around the field, but he's just got that incredible arm and the unique uniqueness of being a left-handed quarterback. That's a little bit different for coordinators to scheme against. I really like Boas. Definitely. Griner, I know, again, I know the defensive contingent on our, on our committee here. I want to get your thoughts specifically on Jackson Bass and just your thoughts on the list overall. Well, I mean, Jackson Bass, you know, we went against him personally, and he he's a man child. I mean, he's really, really good. Love to see a defensive tackle on here, not necessarily a linebacker, but a D tackle, a guy that literally stops the run and he's able to get sacks as well. I mean, the greatest player we see on defense in the longest time playing for the Rams, that's exactly what he is, is a D-tackle. He's a game wrecker. This guy's doing that. Uh, my favorite right now is actually Mason Avery. I know his season's over with now, you said, but, like, the, the ice bucket guy. I mean, this is what high school football is all about, being able to play both sides of the ball. Imagine if he is well-rested, how well his running back stats would be if he didn't have to play on the other side of the ball. But he's doing both, and he's still on this Mr. Football list. Our, really kudos to him. Jalen Alexander Rayner, like we're really going to see these next couple of weeks what he's all about. And uh, I think it's still his show to lose, but uh, we're going to see in stiff competition, you know, if he's able to sustain the type of production he's been able to do. Oh, I agree with you, Ground 100%. I mean, again, 2,500 yards on, you know, through the air, 36 touchdowns, only two picks, 1,170 yards and 16 touchdowns running the ball. I mean, again, oh, that's 52 touchdowns so far, and I think these next few weeks will, will definitely be critical. Alex, we've got two, you know, this, this fortunate Leacock connection definitely has been historic, I think, and, and one of the best that we've seen um, even more. So talk about those guys and just your overall thoughts. Uh, actually, it hasn't been that historic. Uh, Nathan Leacock is very good, but his numbers are no more of an impressive pace than what Wesley Grimes did last year. Like I said, he's been very good, and he is in the conversation, and I think we'll end up in the conversation with Wesley Grimes and, of course, with the likes of Bucky Brooks in Millbrook history. But, uh, no, this hasn't been particularly historic. And even, and even more than that is – I mean, we, we could just move on and talk about games here because we can just do a mic drop. This is Jalen Alexander Rayner's show. He has been that dominant this year, and there there there's nothing left to be proven in this. He's the best player in the state, possibly on the best team, and has created more separation from all this all these other candidates right here in terms of how he's used his individual abilities to take his team to a higher level. The conver- it, we could we can mail the award to him right now. It's over. <laughs> that, that is a very audacious statement by by Mr. Bass there, Alex Bass. Again, and, and to give people you know context, Nathan Leacock, and of course we know about Wesley Grimes, uh, who was at Millbrook last year. Nathan Leacock is leading the state uh, right now at this point with 62 uh, receptions. 1,459 yards and 23 touchdowns. So while it may not be historic, that is a very high uh, yardage total and touchdown total for one receiver, for one in the state, uh, Mr. Nathan Leacock. Uh, 25 Um, fewer receptions uh, than Mr. Grimes did last year, by the way. You said how many? I'm sorry. 25 fewer receptions than Mr. Grimes had last year. Still four yeah. more games to play, baby. They, they've still got a few play. more games, and if Mason keeps playing the way he is, that's uh, <laughs> about four or five more uh, receptions per game, the ways that they're looking right now. Uh, they have a few forward. more games to play. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we will talk about that later. <laughs> hey, Cam, I wanted to get to you, get your thoughts on the list. Yeah, one guy that's uh, dropped significantly even off this uh, final eight that has been towards the top of the list, and you probably explained the reason why when you were talking about Jaden Davis, how this guy's not really playing in late in the game 
is uh, Dalen Lee from Shelby. Definitely. No, you're absolutely right. And I mean, I think he's dropped. He was while he was, you know, in the, within the top five in passing yards in the state, he's down to 10. I mean, you talk about 2,600 yards uh, with 39 <laughs> touchdowns or six picks where, you know, you look at again, that's Jalen Alexander Rayner has that in passing yards himself. Oh, to go with another 1,100 uh, yards as well. You're looking at Jaden Davis uh, right there at 3,000 yards, Mason Fortune well over the 3,000 uh, yard mark as well. You're seeing that difference with, you know, again, like we said, with him not playing a lot that conference really hurting them you know and then you're of course seeing that even in some of the bigger games that he hasn't had those totals to match still a phenomenal player but again Folger Boaz kind of made that that switch and turned that light on just as Jalen Lee kind of tapered down but again Shelby and we'll talk as Alex keeps alluding to we'll talk about them later as they've got a wonderful rematch as they get a chance to avenge a, a prior loss this year yeah, but before we jump into uh Grice's gyms and find out who the state players of the year we talked about these Thursday games um, there you, you see in 4A and, and 3A, and the, I think the list is actually updated since we made this. You can go to charlotteobserver.com after the show and, and, and get the updated list. But there's a lot of games that are being moved to Thursday. Uh, I know Sam is not going <laughs> to Thursday, but there are a lot of games being moved to Thursday um, this week. Uh, you know, do you guys like that, you know, in terms of being a coach, you know, having to change your routine a little bit? Well, I think this week would be amazing because most – you know, everybody's going to be out of school Friday. I think, right? That's a that's a holiday for every school in North Carolina. To mm -hmm. to what my standard is, you know, Veterans Day, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it'd be great to play on a Thursday, and then you can enjoy a whole Friday off with your family and mm -hmm. uh, get a little extra film session on Saturday. Lock in. I just think that playing on Thursday this week would be really, really cool. And uh, I was ready to get it done, and uh, you know, but it has to have both parties willing to do it. And now, how do you, now, now, Maiden is talking about playing Friday, but if the weather's bad, they're going to play Saturday. Now, Sam, how do you like playing on a Saturday? And if you win, you got a little bit shorter week than the opponent. I absolutely hate Saturday games. Um, you know, like I said, this is still high school football. We are, you know, families first. You know, you're talking about faith family football. Mm -hmm. I think anytime you start, you know, diving into a Saturday to play a football game, um, we're, we're losing what matters most. And uh, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing at home, especially my my wife works retail. <laughs> you, I, I'd be coaching that with a baby Bajorn on, and uh, <laughs> and I would get it done. But we're playing on a Saturday; it'd be tough times. <laughs> call play, call rock. They think you call one of your formations. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Talk, talk, to <laughs> yeah. talk to my kid. All right, let's find out who Grice has picked as his player of the week. And uh, Grice and Grind actually the G and G is it G and G? G and G, baby. We'll be right back. And we've got another edition of Grice's Gems. I got GG here. Got my man Sam Griner here with me. We culminated with week 11 of the regular season. The last week had some big-time performances in some big-time spots as we get ready to get into our second season, the playoff edition. So without further ado, let's get into it. First, we're going to go to Greensboro, to Andrew Atmore out of Dudley, the junior quarterback in a 51-13 win over Eastern Guilford with 19 of 27 passing for 290 yards and six touchdowns. Also had two two-point conversion runs. You know, Coach Antonio Hall, the offensive coordinator, definitely wants a, a field general here, and I think Atmore is this. Griner, talk about what you see here. Well, the guy that gives his athletes a great chance at making plays. He puts it in a position where they only can make the play. If there's a taller receiver, he's throwing the ball up in the air, they're going to get it. He knows his team well, and you can see the evidence evidence of this throughout the end part of the season. Beginning part of the season, they didn't quite know what to do necessarily. Now you're seeing them hitting their stride come playoff time. You know, that's kudos to their OC, 
quarterback understanding what his athletes can do. And it's, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs, no doubt. Oh, definitely. Big time stuff here. Let's move forward again to a familiar face, a guy we've given the call to before, Mason Avery out of West Lincoln. And a 49-48 double overtime win over Lincolnton. You know, if they play that long, you know he filled the stat sheet. So give me the, give this grinder. For 34 times for 283 yards, had one catch, of course, for 16 yards, totaling five touchdowns on offense. You know he plays both ways. I got to give you the defensive side. Had 12 tackles, two tackles for a loss, and a sack. We're not done. We're finished with the season. His 2,367 yards rushing is a Lincoln County single season record. I mean, that's like a triple layer of Grice's gems right there. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my kind of guy, the bell cow. That going carrying it nearly almost touching the ball nearly almost 40 times. <laughs> I mean, I mean both sides of the ball. I love that. And I mean, that's, you know, yeah, that's what I'm right. saying. I know Mama's ringing the cowbell and had the phone. I'm surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if this was her video uh, as we talked to her about. So excited! Another ice bath guy. Another ice bath guy. Definitely, definitely ice bath guy. Big time performance by a big time guy that we've saluted before. So the double Jim Mason Avery, glad to have you back on here. Let's head out east to Scotland County. Ooh, it's been the first time we've been able to say this in a while. Scotland County again. Carter Ravel is our the quarterback. Completed 10 of 16 passes for 161 yards and three touchdowns and a 22-21 win at, win at Richmond Senior. His touchdown pass with less than two minutes left closed the lead to 21-19, where Richmond was still up. And then, in a dramatic fashion, Ravel caught the game-winning two-point conversion on a Philly special play from teammate Caden Graves. Scotland won, you know, again on a night. Richmond's defense played well. Held you know, Richmond held Scotland to 29 yards rushing while, and ran for 303 of its own. But we're focused here on the big-time performance and the Philly special by Carter Ravel here of Scotland County. Well, you, you say it's not a rival game until you can win one, and we saw that this past week for a few teams, and this is one of them. You know, kudos to Scotland County. They do a phenomenal job. They're a 3A team, and they're competing with a 4A team, a, a, a daggone darn good one for the past 10 years, no doubt. And to be able to pull this out, I mean, he's efficient. 10 for 16, three touchdowns. I mean, like every time he's throwing the ball, he's throwing a touchdown pass and even caught the two-point conversion to win the game. You know, that's big time for his program and, you know, going into the playoffs as well. Oh, definitely. Let's move back west to Jed West of Smoky Mountain High School. And a big 58-18 win over East Henderson, West accounted for seven touchdowns, threw for 320 yards and five scores, and also ran for 72 yards and two scores. We've got some older film up here just to show you what type of kid this kid is. But, again, big-time win, big-time performance, throwing for 320 and seven. I always talk about those mountain teams. They know how to throw the ball just like teams down here. And here's a big example why. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I just, I just love their name that he plays for, Smoky Mountain. I mean, you got to be daggone tough as nails to be playing for Smoky Mountain. But seven touchdowns, we said it's the complete game. Completion is number seven. He reached that ability. I've only seen it one time in my lifetime playing in a game. This guy's putting up seven touchdowns. That's, that's Oh, it looks like we're back. I got, I got to follow the sword. I just played the wrong clip. I apologize. Let's play the right clip, then we'll be back. I'm That's sorry. my favorite, Bryce. Everybody watching, my fault. I'm sorry. Hey, we've got another edition of Grice's Gems. We got Gigi in the building, Coach Grice, Coach Griner. Again, this was round one of the playoffs. So all of the guys we had 
did and made big-time performances to help their team go to round two. Let's go ahead and get started. So first, Grounder, we're going to Charlotte. Hey, just because I'm coaching and doing whatever, I'm still watching what you guys got going on. We got Julian Carmichael, your DB, intercepted three passes. He's getting in some rarefied air there, intercepting three passes in your big 40-13 to win over Stuart Kramer. He even helped your offense out because he returned one for a touchdown. Grounder, you're here. I'm going to pass you the ball and step back. Yeah. Talk to me about Julian Carmichael. Believe it or not, you might think he's a DB, but this guy's a linebacker. This guy is a savage. We get three, yeah, three interceptions. He was really good at playing the hook to curl, and I'm just so proud that he actually got in the end zone. It actually, you know, spark plugged our offense. We're able to score a lot of points after this, but the guy had a lot of big hits. He had, I think, he had seven tackles a game, one sack, two tackles for loss, and three picks. Taking one to the crib. Bro, proud of my man. Why you moving him around? He looks like he's playing some DB. Look how he's I know he looks like that. He he's that good. He looks like he's that Tampa cover two guy. Tampa cover two, sink in the middle, making big plays. All right, three picks. Again, he's tied with a lot of people, but that's pretty high up in the record books there. So we look forward to seeing you guys do a little bit more in round two here. Hey, let's go ahead and go to Raleigh. Session MacArthur is a sophomore defensive back. Again, a big 27-10 win over Clayton. He had two tackles, and also he himself had three interceptions here, Griner. So okay, another big-time defensive player that's picking a lot of footballs out of the air right here. Look Woo! at that great catch. Tell me what you see here, Griner. I high-pointing it. High-point the ball. This man yeah. right here, great speed turn. Great speed turn, able to find the football and attack at the highest point. Playing receiver right there. I, he's got to play some receiver, you know, along in his career because be able to make that play earlier. This one right here, they just dumped it right off to him. Let's see if he can get to the crib. Look at the way he Let's see if he can get to the crib. Come on. Come on. Oh, <laughs> very close there again. So, hey, great performance there by session, big time. Hey, let's get back to my side of the ball, but stay east and go out to Wilmington. Caden Morton, we talked about New Hanover early in the, in the year, of course, with their win over Butler, which looks better and better. Here's another reason why right here. Again, 16 carries for 220 yards and two touchdowns and a big 45-19 win over Raleigh's Broughton High School. He also even additionally through the air had one pass for 15 yards. Again, you see the breakaway speed here, Grinder. When he gets that ball, he, you know he's the guy that's going to go ahead and make a big play. Yeah, I mean, for you to be a running back and to wear number one uno, you got to have some burst to you. And this guy right here gets in the open field. He's going to the crib easily. We call that a house call. Anything 28 yards or further, that's a straight house call. And he had a lot of these in the game. Again, I love the aggressive running there. We know they're a big-time group up front. Shout-out to his offensive line for helping them. Let's go back uh, – go east and hit – uh, sorry, go west and go to Murphy. Hunter Style Cup. Again, junior running back. We see a lot of running backs as it's getting colder up there, Griner, harder to tackle them. He had 15 rushes, 217 yards, and three touchdowns in a big 49-20 win over Albemarle. Griner, look at this guy here. Again, junior running back. He's not ready to go home. What do you like here about him? Well, I love that, you know, the, the good thing is you only got 15 carries and he still got over 200 yards. Like, that's being very efficient. I like get, might want to give him the ball a little more when you when you need the game to be won. This guy making big-time plays. That scoreboard they got at that place is really nice, too. I would oh, I'd be trying to score a whole lot just so I can see the scoreboard change. You already know I love it. Again, great guy. We had it from, from Murphy. Now let's bring on a guy who we had to give the call this week. So, Nick Reed, let's go ahead and read your stats out and show your show our work to why you're the guy that got the call. You guys had a big 38 to 20 win over West Stokes. Nick, you completed 19 of 25 passes for a school record 412 yards and three touchdowns. Not you're not done. You had also had a rushing touchdown and you had an interception on defense. I mean, filling the stat sheet. We love stat sheet stuffers here at Grice's Gym. In the same game, Reed, <clears throat> excuse me, you also set school records for passing yards in a season, uh, 1,441. 
passing touchdowns in a season with 17, passing touchdowns in a career at 31, and passing yards in a career for 3,207 yards. Hey, anytime you come back to that school, your name is going to be all over Pine Lake Prep. Nick, talk to us about this game and how you felt going into it and why you were able to do have such a great performance. I mean, we just – last week we had a tough week. It was our first loss. Coming off that, I think we were all just determined and extra motivated to get this big win in the first round. We just don't want this season to be over. Like, we got we got more stuff to prove. And coming off a, off a loss, just motivated Woo! by more in practice to like uh, it. get it done. Definitely. We'll, we'll start there first. You talked about, you know, that big loss to, uh, to Davids, community school Davids. And, you know, it was, it was literally a de facto conference championship game. What were you able to do as a player to kind of get your offense to refocus? Because I know you guys had some challenges in that game. Clearly, you got it right in a big time round one win. So what was your mentality going into that game? I mean, I was just kept telling the guys, we got we got to all work together and get this stuff done. The um, The offensive line did a huge job. Let me be able to have enough time to get the ball to my receivers spreading across the whole field. It's not like we just have one receiver getting all the all the touches. Everybody was getting the ball. And then when they locked us down a little bit, we uh, gave it to our running backs. He also had close to 200 yards that game. Wow. Yeah. Now you play Nick, you play a little defense too? Yeah, I play free. My God, doing it all. Put his name in the record books. Like, you know how you might have got the Grice's call. This guy had every girlfriend in in nation trying to hit him up this weekend. I mean, in the they know they know this. When you're in the record book, they call. Not just Grice. The girls are calling too, brother. Again, hey, Nick, we're glad to have you on. Big time record-breaking performances for just this game and as well the, across the season. So salute to you, Nick. Well, hopefully you keep balling. We might have to give you another call. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Coach. All right, guys, if there's you, you feel like you've had a great big-time performance, and granted, they all matter now. These are all playoff big-time level performances. Please reach out to us. Reach out at Observer Preps, at Langston Works Jr. Reach out to me at, at Coach Jay Grice, all on Twitter. Let us know again if you have a big-time performance. As we're getting to these playoff big-time games, these performances are only mattering to, in the situation of winning or going home. But as we always say here with GG, Grice's Gems, Grice and Griner, if you ball, Griner what? We're going to get the call. All right, guys, a great segment, G&G, Grice and Griner. How the, man, it just keeps getting better and better. Even, even after we played the right video, it got better. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, hey, I think it's time for us to break down some private school football the action this week. Uh, we got an incredible slate of games, uh, the North Carolina Independent School Activity Association. Uh, we're going to look first at the Division Two High Point Christian, five and six, uh, traveling uh, up to Asheville School, six and three. Uh, Trinity Christian, six and four. They're going up to play Covenant Day. Alex, I'll start with you. Uh, I know that you're infinitely familiar with uh, this uh, brand of football. Uh, what's your um, What's your take on these two big games? Well, the big thing will be for Charlotte Christian uh, against Raven Gap, which uh, really is the only Division One game worth discussing. I have to give it to Charlotte Christian. They did a great job of overcoming what's been a challenge for them in years past. And that challenge was being able to avoid distractions at all costs. And they didn't allow distractions to overtake them against Ravenscroft last week. So congratulations to Charlotte Christian for advancing to this opportunity versus Raven Gap. 
Uh, Providence Day should get it done against Christ School. It's a signature opportunity for Jaden Davis, and it is integral for him to play extremely well to extend his Mr. Football candidacy going forward. These are the types of games that we look for for players to to rise up and show where they are in the mix. And this is a statement opportunity for Jaden Davis right here. Uh, I, I think we're going to see uh, Providence Day and Charlotte Christian when it when it all comes down to it. Uh, the Division Two level. Uh, congratulations to Asheville School for uh, putting itself in position to extend what's been a great season of Mountain football. We had. Um, uh, those Smoky Mountain schools last week, four of them won at home, two of them won on the road. It was absolutely ridiculous. So uh, congratulations for to Asheville School for adding uh, its own private school flair in this ridiculous mountain landscape that we saw thrive last week. And uh, Asheville School having an opportunity to continue on with the winner of Trinity Christian and Covenant Day. So a lot of exciting themes we see. Uh, it's an, another uh, strand of the Charlotte Mecklenburg scene and another strand of the mountain scene just playing out, showing where the uh, great hotbeds of football are in the state. No, that's great, Alex. Uh, you know, even with the, like you said, talking about the Christ School versus Providence Day, I mean, you know, of course, Christ School had that 42 to nothing loss to PD. That's going to be a huge mountain to climb there. I'm interested in that Christian versus Raven Gap school, um, you know, game. Again, Christian lost to Raven Gap 24-10 in week six. Going back, looking at that game, you know, one of the big things that stuck out to me in that game, it was a 14-10 game, I think, at halftime. Kyron Jones ended that game. Again, this is D1 Kyron Jones, just got an offer from the University of Georgia, had eight rushes for 42 yards in that game, and Cameron Eastep went 19 of 45 for 140 yards and a pick. Kyron Jones has to get the ball in his hands infinitely more times than that for them to be successful. Uh, Ryan Henley, I think, did a good job with eight receptions there, but they've got to get that ball in the hands of Kyron Jones <laughs> to turn that tide and be successful there. Yeah, I agree. Hey, do you think that Christ School's got anything for PD in this game, Grice? I mean, I know they got Trey Money, a quarterback who's got about 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns. I mean, he's a threat, uh, but do they have enough uh, to get past that Providence Day machine? Yeah, I don't think they do. I mean, I think this game they'll have a chance, you know, to kind of keep it close maybe early. Um, but I just think the offensive weaponry of, of Providence Day is too heavy. I mean, you look at a Providence Day team getting those rested. You look, you know, Christ School with the big one-point win over Latin really had to, you know, had to fight. Whereas PD, you know, was able to use this week as another week. We talked about, you know, Jaden Davis already in the Mr. Football segment who didn't really even play a lot in that game. So I do think at a time of year where everybody, everybody's banged up, battling sickness, you know, things of that nature having kind of that extra, you know, quote unquote, you know, easier week versus another team that had to fight. That's going to really be an uphill climb for them. Hey, Cam, Raven Gap beat Christian 24 to 10 earlier in the year back in September. Uh, do you see anything that steps out, that stands out to you that makes you think that Christian can win this game in, in round two? You know, I said last week I thought Charlotte Christian could win, but the way Raven Gap played last week just came out there and just dominated. I don't think Charlotte Christian will have anything for them. Um, you know, Providence Day, I think they'll end up playing Raven Gap for uh, the Division One championship. Cool. Uh, well, it should be another great week of uh, private school action. Uh, we look forward uh, to the big championship weeks and the big games coming up uh, next week. Uh, we're going to shift our focus now uh, to the 1A Western bracket uh, or the 1A Eastern bracket, my apologies, uh, where it's going to get really hot and heavy uh, this week. We got some big time games. Uh, 
We'll start in the Eastern North Carolina. Uh, Southeast Halifax, they're a sneaky good team taking on Tarboro. North Texas and Riverside, I think that that's a, a pretty decent matchup. Uh, I think that West Columbus team, you know, they're, they're kind of making some noise at Northside and Northampton. Uh, I like both those teams, but I think Northampton's just way too powerful. Uh, you know, another game that, that kind of sticks out a little bit, Pender County's got a lot of speed. Even there at 6-5, that Tom Means coach team, that handball, you know, they, they could – uh, cause some trouble over uh, Northmore. Uh, but Alex kind of sticking with the Eastern Flair. Uh, North Edgecombe at Riverside game is an interesting game. You know, North uh, Riverside, uh, Jim Bob Bryant, you know, we know the former head coach at Havelock. Uh, he's got a freshman quarterback in Jason Shepard who's got 2,400 yards, uh, 30 touchdowns. I mean, that is a very powerful team, scoring about 50 points a game. Uh, what are we thinking that one? Well, this is one of those things. That this is Eastern North Carolina Flair to its very best, a lot of rich history with these two schools, schools which uh, had traditions before. We've seen a lot of consolidation in these areas. Uh, so we're talking uh, North Edgecombe back to uh, its uh, championship days of the 90s with uh, Raymond, Qua- Raymond Cobbins, Quanta Dickens, uh, or Riverside back in its preceding days uh, with uh, Roanoke and Williamston, that whole area right there. So uh, great traditions all the way around. Um, I think we're going to see some points scored here. And it's just one of those things where the essence of two communities coming together, where this really is the biggest thing that happens in these communities at this time of the year which makes it really, really special uh, in terms of old styles prevailing, but uh, reminding us of some of the simple fundamentals of being able to run the ball well, even in this age of these high-octane offenses. So this fusion of communities, old-school football, and running the ball well, even in this age of the spread, gives an intrigue to this right here. But it's what these programs have done for decades. So once again, hey, I can, this is an anything can happen kind of deal. I think this is as close to a rivalry game without it being a traditional on-paper rivalry as you get. Throw the records out the window because of all of those reasons right there. Great insight, Alex. We appreciate that. Uh, we're going to shift our focus now to the Western 1A bracket. Uh, got some intriguing matchups in its own right there. Uh, Eastern Randolph, you know, they had a bye last week. Uh, Coach Burke Kate's team is taking on Mountain Heritage, who I think is sneaky good, much better than that 5-5 five and five record. Uh, Cherokee had the big win over um, – uh, Star Mount last week, uh, they're going to take on Robbinsville. You know, we know Cutler Adams. We know how strong that team is. You know, you get those uh, big Smoky Mountain Conference foes going at each other. Uh, Hayesville, I think, is a tough second-round draw for Christ the King. That, that's a game that I'd be a little wary of. Uh, I think Hayesville, again, every team in that Smoky Mountain Conference just about is a tough team. Uh, North Rowan's going to be athletic. Don't know if they got enough for Mount Airy. You know, Swain and Thomasville, you know, you talk about two of the traditional powers in the history of North Carolina, East Wilkes, Mur- Murphy. Uh, but, Dale, I'm going to shift our focus to a game that I think is probably the best game this week in 1A is Mitchell County at Drone. You know, Travis Pittman's Mitchell team's 8-3. Uh, they started the season really slow. Uh, but I think that they are a team poised to beat this Drone team. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll give it up to you. What do you think? Well, they've played earlier. 
drawn one fifty six twenty one. And as I look the two teams over, I, I just see a strong defense for uh, drawn. I see a balanced offense for drawn. Um, both both of those uh, formulas look good for winning a, a football game. Uh, it's hard to beat a good team twice, and Mitchell is certainly a good team. But I just tend to think that there might be a little bit more strength there on the uh, drawn side of the ball. I don't disagree, and Coach Chris Powell does have an exceptional season there, drawn. You don't you don't get ten and one uh, by accident. So I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle. Uh, Grice, I know that you like to talk about you know my affinity for you know Western football. You know, especially you get that Smoky Mountain Conference. You know, you get the Robbinsville <laughs> Cherokee matchup. You know, we've saw a lot of Cutler Adams over the years. Any any of these games stand out to you? Yeah, I think, I mean, Cherokee, again, with a big upset there. I mean, we know Cherokee lost to Robbinsville 30-13 to 13 in Week 7. Uh, but I think, you know, avoid off that big victory last week, you know, coming into this game. Again, a familiar opponent. You know, I, I just went through that on the on the other end from a coaching standpoint this past week myself. Expect that second game to be a lot closer. And I think they're going to really sell out and try to stop Cutler Adams. So, you know, I think that's kind of one of those games I've got highlighted. Swain County, anytime you see that split back beer, I mean, you know, you had that night where you just can't stop them and they want to go, they want to go like a Wendy's value meal, 444. They want to do that and they're successful with it. They're always going to be a tough out. Yeah, dive pitch, counter sweep. It's like Novocaine. Just keep running that all night. Eventually oh, yeah. that. Eventually, you just keep reading that six technique, and one of these days, he's going to squeeze in, and you take advantage of it. Yes, sir. You know it. All right, buddy. Hey, uh, we're gonna before we shift our focus to the two A, and we've got an exceptional group of games. Let's take a look at the one A rankings this week, uh, following the first round of the playoffs. So there you see it. Really, not many surprises. Uh, Tarboro number one, um, Andrews right there on their 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 tail. I've looked at this Andrews team on film. You know, I had to take a second and a third look at that Andrews team. Uh, that is an exceptional uh, bunch of football players. I, I think that I've probably potentially undervalued them uh, throughout the year, but I think that they're just a really good team. Eastern Randolph again, Burton Cates coming off an open week. I really like their chances this week to, to continue their their run. Mount Airy, you know, they got that tough game against North Orleans. It's going to be good against good in that game, but Mount Airy still uh, right there looking good. Uh, Northmore, um, Drone, we talked about them. Murphy, Robbinsville, they're still kind of right there in the mix. I would not count out either of these two teams. And Northampton County, again, Coach George Previtt's team uh, really looking good. And, and that's kind of a who's who's list, but you've got some teams kind of in the weeds looking to get up there and make some noise in the 1A. You know, Alex talked about Riverside, Martin, uh, West Columbus kind of hanging out down there. There's still some good teams floating around out there in the eastern part of the state that could probably work their way in it. Uh, but uh, enough of the 1A. Let's shift our focus now uh, to the 2A. Uh, we'll look at the rankings first. Uh, Burns right there. Uh, got that big rematch this week with Shelby. Uh, East Surrey, you know, I talked about Folger Boaz just a second ago. You know, that's a team that is going to have an opportunity uh, to really flex some muscle, I think, here in the coming weeks. I, I really like that group a lot. Monroe, uh, Reedsville, East Duplin, again, a who's who list. You know, I really like this East Duplin team. Um, and Avery Gabby, the quarterback right there, you know, he has just been solid all year long. Chase, of course, we know a lot about them. Uh, Maiden, Wallace Rose Hill, Shelby. Uh, Shelby sneaking back into it after the win over Forest Hills, Princeton. Uh, before, and, and let's just go ahead and go on to the eastern side of the state. We're going to go straight into the 2A eastern bracket breakdown uh, as soon as we get the graphic up here. Um, there we go. Uh, we'll start in the East, Alex. Uh, Trask, 8-3. That's a very good-looking Trask team. You know, 
the remarkable turnaround. Trask about four years ago may have been the worst team I've seen in 2A, and to see where they've come in such short order, I mean, I'm really proud of that community and happy for the for the Rocky Point community down there off I-40 outside of Wilmington, uh, Midway at Cummings, uh, Wallace Rose Hill in Northeastern. You know, we've had our good friend Antonio Moore, friend of the show, on before. You know, they've had a quiet season, and the fact that Northeastern is really quiet would worry me. I, I would be worried uh, if I was Wallace Rose Hill going up to take on them. Green Central, you know, having a Cinderella year uh, at Nash Central, Holmes at Whiteville, uh, Hertford County at West Craven. That West Craven team is really dangerous. Uh, we'll, I've really looked at them. Uh, South Granville at Clinton. Uh, don't really know what to think about that one because South Granville is really good at six and five. Uh, but I don't think Clinton's going to have a problem with them. James Keenan to Duplin, East Duplin. And we'll start with that with Alex. Uh, James Keenan at East Duplin. Uh, that was a 21-14 to 14 game back in October. I think that this is the cream of the crop in 2A East this week. Absolutely 100-plus percent. This is the game of the week in the 2A East. You want to talk about just oozing championship tradition and legacy all the way through East Duplin? Everybody remember, well, we don't have to remember the name. We know the name, Battle Holly. What, what else can we say? Yes, the son of Jack Holly, which just ingrained in Duplin County. Jack Holly, obviously very, very successful at Wallace Rose Hill for many, many years. These these Duplin County matchups, and we're going to talk about another one in, a, in 3A. We got an Alamance County battle. So, I mean, some of these rematches, that we're seeing this week in the second round, intra-conference, intra-county rematches just oozing with championship histories. And once again, that community dynamic we just talked about uh, with um, Riverside um, Riverside out of Martin County uh, and North Edgecombe. I mean, th- for, for all the surprises we didn't have last week, the – Tradition oozing intra-county, intra-conference rematches we have this week just take it to another level. This James Keenan East Duplin, this is this is old school tradition right here. They're, they're, they're going to play old school football. They're, they're both going to run the ball really, really well, and the communities are going to come out. That's that, that's what makes this special. And we could we we could see a three-point decision on this one. It's got it's it's got the makings for it all, but this is the cream of the crop in the two way. I mean, no no conversation about it easily. All right, let's look at the two way West, and I think there's some really intriguing matchups that we could probably spend an hour on. Two uh, A is kind of that mini fight club uh, where you just got so many really good teams. Uh, Providence Grove at, at Reedsville. I don't see any issue for Reedsville there moving on. Uh, but that second game uh, between Robinson and Chase, I think that that one could be a down to the wire kind of ga- a game. Uh, Mount Pleasant at Maiden and Bunker Hill at Community School of Davidson. That's two games that really intrigue me because I could see Mount Pleasant and or Community School of Davidson upsetting either of these teams, especially if you get a Bunker Hill team. Uh, you know, that, that was a very close game between them and Maiden a few weeks ago. You get those two teams looking for a rematch next week, and if they don't watch out, you know, they could trip up on either of those two teams because Mount Pleasant, Community School of Davidson, we've seen a lot of them this year. Shelby at Burns, we'll get into that one in a second. Pine Lake at Salisbury. I, I'm not so sure that I don't think Pine Lake Prep could be favored in that game. I think that they're going to give the Salisbury Hornets all they can handle and then some. And I wouldn't be shocked if they went up there to Ludwig Stadium and won that game. Uh, Monroe, I think they're a solid team, although Lincolnton's getting better. 
in Hendersonville, you know, they were a uh, failed attempt at a two-point conversion three years ago from going to the state championship game. That's going to be a tough matchup right there for East Surrey. I know we've we've helped gave all the praises to Folger Boaz. I mean, he's really good. Um, and before I get to Dale to talk Burns and Shelby, um, Grice, I'll just throw it out to you. Any of these teams kind of, you know, do I, is there any credence to maybe a Maiden and Mount Pleasant or a Bunker Hill Community School of Davidson maybe look look not looking at those opponents looking to next week? Yeah, I mean, I think you, there is some legitimacy there. I mean, again, Maiden has been you know great all year. The one that's just got my eyes at Robinson and Chase. I mean, we've talked about Marquise McCombs for years. We've talked about, feels like for years at least, we talked about how well that Chase program is continuing to do. You know, Robinson really hasn't been tested all year. You know, even round one kind of had a bit of a scare. Um, so I think this game is really going to kind of be a good litmus test to see if they are ready to you know, to attack and, and, and be at the you know upper echelon of that 2A division here in the West. Or, again, are there, are there going to be another situation where they have a great regular season only to be foiled in the playoffs? So that's kind of one I've got my eye on there. I mean, you know, if I could get you know, video of David Hobbs and, uh, and Marquise McCombs in the hole there, I think I might pay real live money for that. So it's going to be a great matchup, I think. Yeah. Dale, uh, obviously Shelby and Burns is the big game in the 2A West bracket this week. Uh, Burns really pulled away late and and had full control of that game when they played the regular season. Of course, you know, the rivalry aspect, we know that Shelby, despite the record, is uber talented and they played an exceptionally tough schedule throughout the regular season to include some 4A teams like AC Reynolds. I mean, a lot of big dogs. Uh, But I think that it's not out of the question to think that Shelby could come in there and knock off Burns. So what do we think about this game? And for Shelby to come in and knock off Burns, they're going to have to – well, when you look back at that game, uh, Burns put up twice as much offense, for a little over 400 yards versus 200 yards. Burns had three quarterback sacks. Dalen Lee was uh, well under his uh, per-game average. His QBR for that game, by the way, was 702 they only had 63 yards rushing. I mean, it was just really a big defensive effort by Burns in that first game that uh, that kind of put that game away. So for Shelby to come in and, and win this game, uh, Dalen Lee's going to be a whole lot more uh, productive than he was in that first game. You're going to have to find a way to protect him better. No, I, I, I agree, and, and that's great insight right there. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I've had Burns the number one team in 2A – for several weeks, and I, I definitely think that they are the best team on paper, on film. You know, they just look the part. I mean, they look like they could be a 3A or maybe even a small 4A team just with the talent. Maybe they don't have the numbers and depth, uh, but coaching and all. I mean, they're just a great-looking team. Uh, just before we move on, I know uh, we're in the midst of football, but we're going to talk basketball here in a second. Uh, do you any, – any, any, I, I know. What you say, girl? I know. I know. Uh, but any of these teams jump out. Do you, do you see any any big upsets on your agenda, Grice? Before we move on, I don't know if we're there yet. But again, uh, you look in here. Never count out Shelby. Never count out Shelby. Those Golden Lions. Some for some reason during the playoffs find a way to get it right. So I mean, I don't know if that would be considered an upset. But you just count. I'm not willing to count out the Golden Lions at all. I'm not yeah. willing to go on record with that. Yeah. Well, Langston, I see the real guru on the on the screen. Man, I, I'm, I'm excited. Of, we got both gurus on the screen. Yeah. Right? We got we got the number one football, number one basketball. And that, that's amazing. I love having the the guru on the screen. Rick Lewis, how you doing, man? You gotta come off mute though before you talk to us. Uh oh, that's not a good start. Appreciate <laughs> you, 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 you on mute, Rick. Still scrimmages. You on mute. We can't hear you. 
still scrimmages right now, so it's all right, you know. Now, okay, good. He four-cornered himself. How you doing? We were just saying we got both gurus on the screen at the same time, so we were excited. I'm in good company then. <laughs> you absolutely are. We're going to give Chris and Grice a break and bring them back a little bit later. We're going to talk a little hoops. Um, let's get right to it, Randall. You're the, the girls' expert uh, here. I know you got some, some couple keys on girls. Uh, I got the wrong one. Girls basketball this year. Tell me about your keys and, and, and break down the season just a little bit for us. I can't hear Randall either. No, Randall. <laughs> no sound. Randall, log back out and come back in and see if your sound comes back. Log out and come back, see if your sound comes back. He says he can't hear anything. Um, I'm going to kick him out, and hopefully he'll get the message and come back. While, while he does that, Rick, we'll put your keys up since we can hear you. Sounds <laughs> good. Let you tell us a little bit about the boys. Uh, tell me about your keys. Well, it, the number one is, um, you know, Weddington's had back-to-back state championships at the 3A and the 4A. And last year, Central Cabarrus went 30-1. and one. They <laughs> lost to West Charlotte thir- um, in the uh, Western Regionals. Uh, they're one of the most unique and um, really um, unorthodox teams that you'll see out there. On paper, um, you wouldn't really consider them, but you'll have to put Central Bears in the conversation as one of the best teams in the state, mm-hmm. and that will include Myers Park and Carmel Christian. A lot of people are going to question that, but the thing about it is, is the thing that Central Bears, coached by Jim Baker, he has his entire starting lineup coming back, uh, they won by 45 points as an average last year. They have been tremendous in our fall league. Um, they even went up against the Burlington School, uh, which won the 2A state championship last year. And um, in the fall league, they beat them by 30-some points. And although Word of God split up their teams as far as A and B, mm-hmm. they beat both those teams to capture the Hoop State Fall League championship. Those guys are for real. They're led by the Daniel Twins. They got Jaden Thompson and, and Gavin Bullock. They're like I said, um, it's hard for any other team to prepare when they play against them. They're so unique and so different. Yeah, now they, they remind me a lot of Weddington. People are doubting them going into the season, Randall. Mm-hmm. You, do you see the the correlation when I put up the Weddington two point oh? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a group of guys who they've been playing together for a long time, and you know, I think people always. They quite, there was a lot of question marks last year about, oh, are they big enough? Are they physical enough? And they always answer the bell. And to have everybody back this year, mm-hmm. I think this team is is on track to definitely make another run as long as they can stay healthy. And not to belabor the point too much, but, Alex, you have a counterpoint because you're the contrarian. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't consider it a contrarian. I consider it basic basketball. Central Cabarrus does not have a legitimate pivot presence. And actually, if you look back in Central Cabarrus history, when Central Cabarrus won the 2000 state championship, yes, that was uh, Mickey Mickens and Nathan Cranford in the backcourt who were the driving forces. But Central Cabarrus also had two six eight post players in David Hardy and Doug Norman. And I'm just going to go on record right now. And you can and, and you can call this bulletin board material. You can, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Go ahead and put it on the Twitter feed. Go, go ahead and put it wherever you want to put it right now. Central Cabarrus will not win the state championship without a legit pivot presence, period. 
Okay. Well, West Charlotte has seven freaks or sixteen kids, so they can have a potential uh, matchup in the playoffs. Rick, what about Robinson and Tua? Well, you know, Robinson went twenty-seven and three last year and beat um, Farmville Central in um, the state championship. The the one thing about J.M. Robinson, if they can have everybody returning off the starting lineup last year, and that includes David Hobbs. If he returns, I think they have an excellent chance of repeating the state champions. They might have another matchup against Farmville Central, who also returns four of their top five players as well. Alex, you don't think uh, Robinson can get it done? Why? Absolutely no one will defeat Farmville Central in 2A this year. Farmville Central every year, anyone like 20 years in a row or something? Uh, Absolutely not. What Farmville Central is doing right now is uh, Farmville Central is celebrating a period of renewed tradition. If you remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, when Farmville Central took three out of five state championships and uh, Aiden Grifton, it's nearby conference rival at the time took the other two It's back in the days when uh, Mike Terrell really had them going. Mike Terrell still attends many Farmville Central home games and has, and Larry Williford, the uh, Farmville Central coach has developed uh, quite a relationship with him to uh, connect those two uh, tradition strands of the Jaguars program. But here's what you have going right here. Farmville Central per Larry Williford's own admission last summer, was beset by a sense of complacency because of the success that the Jaguars have enjoyed in recent years. That's not going to be a problem this year. Farmville Central very well may be the state's best team, regardless of classification. I'll go on record as saying that right now. Considering that team from Myers Park is top 30 in most national polls. Mike My, Myers Park has proven absolutely nothing. You see, Myers Park, and I'm gonna go. On, I'm gonna go on record as saying this as well. Okay. The first thing, the, the, the first thing that uh, Myers Park needs to. Well, I won't say that. Um, but I, I will go on record as saying Myers Park has proven nothing. I mean, people people are trying to put this Myers Park team or treat this Myers Park team as being. Uh, in the same realm of uh, 0405 North Mecklenburg, and we won't even mention 98-99 West Charlotte. Those teams had proven some things. Myers Park has proven absolutely Absolutely. nothing. Um, But, no, I will go on record and say right now that until Myers Park proves something, not that they can't, but they haven't proven it yet, Myers Park doesn't have the track record that Farmville Central has. Farmville Central very well could be the best team independent of classification in the state of North Carolina. That's a major statement. Well, Ricky, your last point real quick, Myers Park, Carmel Christian, is that going to be the game of the year? And Cam, you can follow. I believe it is because when you look at Myers Park, I think they are without question the best team in the state in the public school. Um, you have three high major players on that team. you got Sir Muhammad, um, you got Bishop Boswell, and you got the 6'9", uh, Sadiq White, who's probably a top 20 player for his particular class. You have Elijah Strong, who's going to Walford, and then you have Sam Walters that um, really comes off. He's a uh, used to be off the bench, but I think he's a starter now. He's just one of these guys that goes out, and he's a glue guy. He's going to go out there and hustle, give you 100% and make shots. They have on paper as much talent as any team in North Carolina has had in quite some time. Then you look at Carmel and the history with um, Carmel and Coach Joe Badgett, one of the best coaches in the state. Uh, they have a great lineup as well. They have uh, Jaden Mustoff. I think um, 
Carmel, without a question, is the best team in the private school sector. So at the Carmel MLK on January 14th, you're going to have Myers Park going up against Carmel, and that will probably be the two best teams in the state of North Carolina. Well, Ken? Nope. Well, I, I don't disagree. I mean, you got two top 100, honestly, two top, what, 50 teams in the nation right there in Myers Park and Carmel Christian. Yeah. Uh, that would be a phenomenal game. Yeah, um, I also cool. want to speak to uh, the second point there. Can J.M. Robinson repeat? You know, if David Hobbs comes back, you know, plays for J.M., you know, he's a double-double machine. But one thing I'm really interested to see is how uh, much success his sister has with one-of-one. So, Well, the thing, the thing about J.M. Robinson and also with uh, Farmville Central, both of them return for their top five players. So they'll be pretty much equal as far as talent level coming back for the, this particular season. Okay. Well, Randall, let's go through the the, uh, the three keys I tried to put up for you earlier on the girls' side. First of all, it's so good to be back on this show. And Alex is in rare form. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait to see all the Myers Park hate mail come, come to him. This is going to be great. Is this the year Charlotte Catholic gets over the hump? I think there's still question marks there. Uh, I think the big thing is, is going to be point guard play. Obviously, we know that Blanca Thomas and Grayson Golf are tremendous in the post. Are they going to be able to get them the ball? Are they going to be able to get them touches? How good is my skills going to be there? Um, I think Maggie Carnoodle as a sophomore is going to be the 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 missing piece that was the piece that was missing last year. I think she can have a big impact for Charlotte Catholic on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it's all said and done. I'm looking at a Charlotte Catholic Panther Creek uh, girls 4A final. Panther Creek. You heard what I said. (laughs) You heard what I said, Alex. I'm sure sure Millbrook heard it too. Okay, let's let's save all those arguments for basketball season. Tell me about these last two. We got to get back to the football. Tell me about the last two. Will Cannon run the table? I think Cannon's got a great shot. They have a, you know, Four Division One prospects. Um, they have their their team coming back for the most part. So I think when when you look at the private side of it, and they don't have to play Grace to be, Christian. Anybody knock them off? They don't have to play Grace Christian either. Right? They do not have to play Grace. <laughs> no sir. Can, can Myers Park win boys and girls when Mia Zaris comes back? Uh, that's going to be the question. But I think you know I never say it's a good thing that a kid got hurt, but. Uh, those kids over there at Myers Park on the girls' side are going to have to grow up fast. Uh, I think Jaron Truesdale and Raven Alexander, you know, as as good as they can be defensively, I think they're going to have to be really, really good offensively in order to help that team win. Uh, they, uh, got the go they got the, the GOAT coach. They got the GOAT coach. What did Mia Zara say on the show last year? The GOAT coach called her grandma before the GOAT coach. She, she did call her grandma, but she is the GOAT coach. She is so. the GOAT coach, so she'll get it done. All right, Alex, let's go through these one-day rankings. What you got here? Uh, nothing to go through until someone beats Bishop McGinnis. There's nothing to discuss. Next. <laughs> well, congratulations to Murphy Mount Heritage, Birdie Star Mount, and the rest for making the preseason poll. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's look at two Let me find the girls. <laughs> All right, Alex, what you got in two? 
Well, you know, I'm going to give Salisbury the nod right here as the defending champ, but I'm not betting against Marasia Pass in her senior season at Shelby. It's probably got to be she, some she, other. She's not at Shelby anymore. It's going to be the Hollyfield show this year. I think she. I was about to say, there's there's some Hollyfield, you yeah, know. It's going to be the Hollyfield. It, That'll be good, though. That'll be good. There's got to be. Shelby will be in the mix once again. And once again, as we've discussed for here, one, two, three, four. Once you get past that, not a lot to talk about. Until somebody gets into that upper echelon, Salisbury, no, Shelby, and the West Marble. Michael, East Blade, no, sir. Newton Conover's got a stud. Uh, somebody get past Salisbury and Shelby in the West, and somebody get past Farmville and Central in the East. Come talk to me. Until then, nothing to talk about. Next. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, 3A. <laughs> Northwood gets the nod as the defending champ, Terry Sanford, right there in the mix. Really, there's nothing to talk about in this classification right here. I mean, what we're, see what we're seeing here is, and this is a follow-up on a great piece of journalism that we saw on the Charlotte Observer uh, about a week ago, that, I mean, we're, we're in a tough window of time for girls' basketball in the state. And, and it's sad to see. It, it really is. It's down 12.5% less. It, it, it really is. And and the disparities we're seeing in these rankings right here in terms of once you get past the top three or four is showing up in the declining participation and the fact that there really isn't a whole lot to talk about past the top three or four until somebody makes a move. Well, I, think, so, I, mean, I, I think some people are going to emerge as they do every year. And congratulations <laughs> to Rocky Mountain Smith and the rest of those guys for making the preseason. Parkwood looking good up in Union County, uh, and Freedom, uh, which is traditional power out of Morganton, won multiple state championships. Marshall Crump was a coach when they were really great in the 90s. Uh, all right, let's look at the 4A. Let me find the 4A and put that up. I'm going to give Charlotte Catholic the nod for now. now wait, you just about talked about Panther Creek. You ranked them second. I'll rank, I'll, I'll rank them second. Uh, factoring out, I mean, but no, notice the cluster right there. Panther Creek, Millbrook, right there together. Yeah. Panther Creek returns its core, of, and and frankly, and, and Panther Creek will tell you that it should have won that game versus Millbrook last year mm. in the uh, quarterfinals. I was at that game. So, I mean, tr truth be told, I mean, Panther Creek, as Randall said, has an opportunity. There's no question about that. It's closing the deal like they didn't against Millbrook in the quarterfinal last year. That 2-3 could be flip-flopped. I mean, they're that close to each other. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen um, in terms of, I mean, we talked about Catholic getting over the hump with the supporting cast. Can can they do that? Apex Friendship returns a few pieces. Uh even with um, Indian Navarre having moved on. To I'm hearing some really good things about Lake Norman, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Lake, Lake Norman will be right back there. It's, it's I, the I same. If, uh, if, if Blanca Blanca Thomas is angry Blanca Thomas come playoffs, I think Catholic is going to go to a different level. She's nice Blanca There you Thomas, go. They're going to be in trouble. <clears throat> um, all right, we got girls' private school, if I can find it. And that's the last one. Let's go through that real quick. We'll jump to the boys' side. <clears throat> it's cannons to lose. It, it's, it's cannons to lose. And and once again, not, not a whole lot to say until something changes. It's so, probably, this year, Providence Day reemerges. I know they got a really good uh, freshman, freshman, right, Randall? Yeah, they have, they, they have a really good basketball team. 
I think this is one of the one of the rare times where Providence Day doesn't necessarily have a superstar. Mm-hmm. But I think they have a really, really balanced team, uh, one through six, one through seven. And obviously, Josh has been there before. So I think come February, Coach Springer is definitely going to have those girls ready to play. Yeah, uh, he's, about, he's about due he's for about a state championship, championship uh, run. Rick, let's look at the one day on the boys' side real quick. On the, on the boys' side, you have Chatham Charter, who went 32-2 and um, two last year. They lost us in the state championship to Hayesville. They returned there in starting five, so they'll be in the hunt. The same thing for Washington County. They went 22-4. and four. They returned all five starters. And then also Bessemer City, they returned all five starters. And they have a, a, a little point guard there, um, Randall Pettis, that's um, already committed to Northern um, Kentucky. So those are going to be the, the top three teams in the 1A. Yeah, Randall Pettis can really score the basketball. They have a young lady over there too that can score. Name escaping me, but they they have a sneaky good uh, pairing there. Let me find the two A, Rick. Give me a second, and here we go. Wait, Farmer's number two. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Um, in the two A, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in the two A, and you look at J M Robinson. Naturally, they're the defending state champions, and Farmville Central lost in the state championship. Salisbury is 20-5. and five. They have one of the top players in the country in Jude Harris. Um, so they returned uh, four of their five start, uh, starters. And then you have Cummings, who went 22-1, and one, and they returned all starters, and they have two of their best players back, and Janias John, John Sharp and also Caden Hammond. So those are going to be the four teams I think will battle out for the – highest rankings, but if you look at the depth of it, Goldsboro, Shelby, Lincoln Charter, who just played you know, a very good combine to a very, very good game. So, you know, the two-way is very balanced and has a lot of depth. Well, Sounds like two-way in basketball is like it is in football. It's a little wow. mini fight club there. Uh, let's find the three-A. Give me a second. I got a lot of cars on here today, so you got to give me a second. Let me find the three-A. Here we go. I think the 3A is also has a lot of balance, just like the 2A this year. Um, Central Cabarrus is, um, you know, I think they're going to have a magical year. I think they have a chance to go undefeated. I think their unique style of play is, is so different that most teams just can't prepare for it. I do think that they can go undefeated this year. Northwood, um, they, they have a stacked lineup. Of course, they got Drake Powell, who's going to UNC. They got two guys that are 6'8 or taller. Uh, they're going to be in the hunt. And don't count out West Charlotte. Although, you know, they graduated some guys. They got a very good point guard, um, and they got a nice little freshman. It's going to be really, really good. But I think, and I, I said this over the weekend, Jacoby Davis doesn't get enough credit for as good as coach as he is. But um, don't count out West Charlotte. And then Northern Nash, um, last year they went 17-8. and eight. They returned four of their five starters, and then Ooh. they got one of the better players um, from Rocky Mount to transfer over. So I think – those are the top four teams, but again, like the two A, there's a lot of depth one through ten. All right, let's look for it. Uh, I tell you what, um, Myers Park, Holly Springs, Millbrook, North Mech seems to be the um, cream of the crop. But you know, again, we talked about Myers Park. You got three high major guys that's starting. You got one guy going to a mid major school, and you got you know another player that's a D two level guy. So you got five scholarship guys that are starting on the uh, Myers Park. Um, the same thing with Holly Springs. They had a good year last year. They went 22 and four. They returned all five starters, and um, you know they got a lot of balance. So those kids been playing together for a long time at AAU and also at the high school level. Don't count out Millbrook with Colt Langdon, um, and then of course North Mech has Isaiah Evans, and they have a freshman 
uh, by the name of Ashton Pierce, who's going to be really, really good. Yeah. Um, I think those are the top four. But, you know, my, my sneaker, t- uh, sneaker team is like, for example, Chambers. Everybody's might be, you know, poo-pooing on Chambers a little bit. But, you know, I've seen them play in the fall league. And the good thing about Chambers is they play hard. They play together. Mm. Mario Hansen's really, really good. And Nick Dorn, I think they have a chance to surprise a lot of people this year as well. Yeah, North Mac added Braylon Thomas, I heard today. So that's going to really improve their prospects. He's a major college, uh, borderline major college recruit, a 6'5", and really play just another great wing player to to play with the Vikings. All right, let's look at uh, the private school. And I got that. Here we go. The, the, the private school, if you look at it in the, the top 10 right there, you have four of the top 10 that won the state championship last year. Um, Carmel Christian, I, I think they're just ahead of the class. Um, they got a lot of talent. They got a lot of depth. They got an excellent coach. Then Providence Day, you got Greensboro Day. Concord Academy won the state championship at the 3A. United Faith won the state championship at the 1A. And Burlington School won the state championship at the 2A. And all the other teams that are in here have the capacity to win a state championship or at least compete for one. Yeah, should be a great year of basketball, guys. So we're going to continue the previews in the Charlotte Observer. We'll have the 316 coming out on Friday. Make sure you tune into that. And, uh, Rick, we got a couple of tournaments coming up this week, and I'm, I'm going to bring uh, the other guys on. Providence Day has one real quick. Uh, it's the Chargers Showcase, uh, three games you see on screen there with Providence Day finishing up with uh, Caldwell Academy at 5 o'clock. And then you have your big kickoff tournament uh, at Carmel Christian. And let me find that car. I think I have a car. For My me. man Randall has got the starter jacket on. Can someone please explain? That thing is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I get a starter jacket. Uh, hold on, Sam. I got something for you in a second. Rick, uh, how much is it to get into your tournament? Tell us this real quick, one minute, about, about uh, the teams here. <clears throat> Well, we're going to have the um, – um, we're going to basically do a um, day pass, and the cost of that is going to be $15 um, up front. Um, if you wait till the day of the event, it's going to go up to 20 because we're going to be at very little capacity at um, Charlotte Country Day. But um, – that not Charlotte Country Day, but at Carmel, Carmel. Christian, excuse me. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. so the, the big matchup there is going to be, I think, on Saturday you have quite a few, but you have Combine versus 101 Academy. Yeah. I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup. At 4.30, you have probably the two top teams in the 3A going head-to-head. So this should be a preview of what the state championship could be between Concord Academy and Greensboro Day. And then at 6 o'clock, you have Cannon versus Burlington School. And then also at 7.30, you have Carmel Christian versus Asheville School, who's one of the top 10 teams in the private school. Um, should be an absolutely loaded event. Um, to kick off the season. All right. Well, Rick, I, I so appreciate you coming on, man. Can't wait to get you back in when we start basketball in January. You hear the expertise. I got Chris Hughes. I got Rick Lewis. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just, I'm blessed. Uh, and I got Randall and Grice with the number two voices, I think, in, in both sports. So, so Rick, I appreciate it. We'll catch you next time, man. Thank you so much. All right. That's the guru, Rick Lewis. If you want to know basketball, that's the guy you call. Rick, Sam. Hey, human Sam. Excitement. Yes. Sam, I, I can't wait for this. Oh, is Randall want He can't even flip his phone to the side. Like he's got all the answers to the right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for this. Randall does, Randall does the game show in basketball season. Sam does the game show in football season. I always want both of them to lose. So you know what I want today, Dad? I want a tie. 
Hey, hey, he's coming into my realm, so he's going first. Oh, I am contractually obligated to play that Sam's little theme music, Randall. Does he even have theme music? Does he even have theme music? I'm not MJ, just Coach Griner, but I'm the goat of the game show. Oh, Wait, you wow. asked if Randall have theme music? Is that what you yeah. asked? Yeah. yeah, he tried to act like I... I'm Randall Clark. I am not Sam Griner. You will not beat me on the game show. Well, sure, that I might be better theme music. Hey, 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 I hope, I hope he really is good. He's got all the answers in his daggone jacket. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alex, let's I go. Think, let's I think go, Alex. intro might be better. Let's go, Alex. Uh. Randall was born in 1987. What was the number one movie that year? A, Fatal Attraction. B, Beverly Hills Cop 2. C, Platoon. D, Lethal Weapon. Randall. Uh, I'm going to go with my favorite movie on this list. We're going to go with B, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Beverly Hills Cop 2. What you got, Samuel? I'm going to go D, Lethal Weapon. Who's Sam? You in the hole, dog. Yes, sir. Beverly Hills Cop 2? Two? Beverly Hills Cop 2. Wow. I'm telling yeah. you, that jacket That jacket is going to be tough to beat. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> already making excuses. Already making excuses. Can I get my birthday? I mean, dang. Yeah, you can. I got to find the question. Out, out there, Sam? Wait a minute. I got to wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right, Dale. Let's go. All right. Sam was born in 1982. This song written by a guitarist from Worcester. That's right. Worcester. That's how they pronounce it. <laughs> I know. I've been there. Was number one from February 6th, 1982 to March 19th, 1982. Name it. A centerfield by Jay Giles Band. B a center a centerfield. Centerfold. I'm thinking baseball. <laughs> B I love rock and roll. Uh, Joan Jett and the uh, Blackhearts. C Ebony and Ivory. Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney. D beat it. Michael Jackson. <laughs> I mean, Sam, you win. How do we? What is this question even asking? I mean, like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, seriously. What, what song was number one for six weeks in 1982, written by a guitarist from yeah. Washington, Massachusetts? None of these were the number one song overall. I know the number one song overall. It was number one in these dates. What was it? I mean, my Lord. I'm going to go. Um, Come on, Sam. C. C, Ebony and Ivory. Yeah. Randall, what you got? Uh, I got A, Centerfold. My love runs cold. My <laughs> memories have just been told. <laughs> Sam, you down two nothing. Well, I mean, I sure hope so. That government, like, what is? I sure you hope so. Randall wasn't born. even born then. Exactly, I wasn't even born. Like, hey, listen, he's got his, he got the angel in the jacket. That's all that's inside here, baby. Alex, let's go. Florida is the only Division One school to win NCAA football and basketball national championships in the same year. In 2006, who did the Gators beat in each one? A, Ohio State and UCLA, B, Alabama and North Carolina, C, Florida State and Ohio State, D, Oklahoma and Kansas. So on you, Randall. 
A, Ohio and UCLA. Samuel. Golly. I think it's A as well. Believe it or not, I don't want to get correct up. answer. It's still two to nothing. You stayed in the game. You, you, you he, he don't. He he will get no questions wrong. I'm Donzo. <laughs> every answer in the jacket. <laughs> every answer in the jacket. I'm Donzo. The answers in the jacket. Let's go, Dale. Wow. Okay. So that was basketball. So here's some football. Here's football. Course. That's right. Which one of these players is not a top ten all time NFL passer in terms of yards? These are all good names. Big Ben A. Philip Rivers B. Oh, okay. John Elway, C, or D, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. What you got, Sam? I'm going to go C again. Elway, what you got, Randall? I'm going to go beat Phillip Rivers. It is John Elway, 51,475 yards. He's number 12. Eli Manning, I'm just hoping he didn't four-quarter me there. Just All right. <laughs> so we, we have reached the last question. I'm pulling for a tie. So, Sam, I actually have to do something I never do on the game show. I have to pull for you. Pull for me. I know. But he, he ain't never getting this wrong. It'll be another daggone music question. It is not a music question. All right, good. Praise the Lord. You got a chance, Sam. I, I had a football and basketball question. I had a football only question. So this last one is basketball. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's go, Alex. What team won their very won the very first NBA game in 1946? A, the Toronto Huskies. B, the Chicago Stags. C, the Philadelphia Warriors. Or D, the New York Knicks. C, Philadelphia Warriors. Samuel. <laughs> it was just such confidence. Look at him. He's got Google right beside him. <laughs> I mean, I can't guess the same answer, even though he's right. No, you I cannot. Mean, I need you to I, I need you to tie him. I know, I know. I'm gonna go B Chicago Stacks. Oh, Sam, you had a shot and you guessed yeah, wrong. Yeah. It was the New York Knicks. They beat the Huskies 68 to 66. Was it the Knicks? Wait, wait, wait a minute. The, the Knicks won the first NBA game the in 1946. There you go. Mm. Randall, right. good job, Randall. Here. You did a Chelsea, good job. Chelsea isn't this, here today. Sam, uh, it's just what I do. It's very rare that these kids come on here and beat me, so I definitely wasn't going to let you. That is, now, that oh, is true. Oh, we, I got, we have I'll, a much higher winning I'll, I'll, I'll come on your basketball good. segment, and and maybe we'll get a couple of, like, like the 1982 question wasn't even a real question. We couldn't even understand the question. You said what? You understood the question? No, it was terrible. It was a terrible <laughs> idea. Oh, my God. Classic that wasn't one of LW's worst worst questions. So I will who says it? Who's hey? What what was the number one song only for this period for a month? Not the number one song in the year. I was written by a guitarist from Worcester, Massachusetts. That, I was trying to give you a Worcester. Clue. Randall, Randall, Worcester. thanks for coming on, man. We'll catch you during basketball season. Thank you guys. Have a good one. All right, it's the great Randall Clark, best trainer I know. Chelsea isn't here right now. We're gonna. She sat down with the uh, Cleveland quarterback Jackson Bird, who's having a great sophomore season. Let's check out what she has to say, and then we'll get back into the football prognostic prognostication.
So this week on Chelsea's World, I'm interviewing class of 2025 Jackson Bird from Cleveland High School. And Cleveland is 7-0 in the conference, 10-0 undefeated overall. So Jackson, can you kind of tell us what were some of the keys to success of just being undefeated this season? I mean, it really all started back in the spring when the players and coaches bought into the main goal, which at first was to win the conference championship and then make a good playoff run. We really put in our work in the weight room and on the field to be the best team we could possibly be. Absolutely. And Jackson, your class of 2025, you're only a sophomore and you played last year on varsity. Kind of compare your growth from being a freshman on varsity to today. I feel like I made a lot of growth. I've gotten bigger, faster, working my speed trainer. Um, I learned the game better as a quarterback. I learned how to read coverages, know where the ball needs to be in certain defenses, learn the timing of the routes and different stuff. Um, also, I feel like I learned to become a better leader, really lead my team to the right direction. Absolutely. And Jackson, you've had really a stat pack season. Talk about some of your achievements and what were your goals achieved this season? At the beginning of the season, I set some goals to throw over 2,000 passing yards and rush for over 500 yards. Um, to help this goal, really, back in the summer, uh, me and my receivers go to the field like three or four times a week, really building that chemistry and uh, so it can transfer to the field. Um, also, working with my quarterback coach, he really helped me with my mechanics, learning the game better with my timing, footwork, stuff like that, yeah. Absolutely. And Jackson, you've got two more years of high school and playoffs ahead of you. Talk about some of your long-term goals for yourself and the team. My long-term goals at Cleveland High School is to um, break the all-time passing record. It's really something I really want to do. Um, continue to win more conference championships and lead, eventually lead my team to a state championship. My um, very long-term goal is to um, play at a D1 Power 5 school. Absolutely. That's awesome. And Jackson, you're a really incredible athlete. Talk about what really separates you on the field and even off the field. Yeah, I feel like I'm a very versatile athlete, quarterback. I can run and throw when you need me to. I'm a playmaker with the ball in my hand. I'm going to make something happen. I have a great work ethic. I love putting in that work, um, being in the weight room, being on the field, doing speed training, whatever it is I do. I feel like I'm very competitive. I work hard. I want to be the best at what I do. And off the field, you know, I just love to lead. I love the responsibility of being a leader. Absolutely. And you've been with Cleveland for two seasons, you know, both very successful these seasons. Tell us about what's your favorite thing being with this program and playing football with Cleveland? Uh, man, it's really the brotherhood. We've all come up together since elementary, middle school, high school. We all are friends. We love each other. And um, it's really competitive out there at practice. We, we're all competitive. We all love to win. And um, like, say, for example, in offensive periods, defense will always give it their hardest. Defensive periods, offense will give their hardest. Because we want to see each other get better. We want to win together. Absolutely. And I'll throw this in there. You know, going into a game, I know you've got that mindset to win. You know, what's your game day preparation before going into a game to get yourself right? Game day prep. Uh, all starts in the morning. Got to have a good breakfast. Got to have some eggs, some pancakes. Uh, I like to drink water throughout the day. I have a Pedialyte every game day. And uh, really, it's all about the music, honestly. Music locks me in all, throughout the day. And uh, I always got to have a bang energy drink. Do you have a favorite game day song? Favorite game day song? Mm, I'm going to give that, ooh, that gets me really going, makes me motivated. All of the lights, Kanye West, gets me really going. That's a good one. Well, Jackson, thank you so much for hopping on, and best of luck this playoffs. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.
She does. All right, guys. Let's get, mm. let's, say, let's get a hand to Chelsea. What a tremendous yeah. job that young lady does. Definitely. All right. Uh, well, hey, before we break down the 3A uh, football brackets, uh, we got some amazing games. Let's take a look at this week's rankings following the second or the first round of the high school football playoffs. Uh, there you see it right there. Kings Mountain still holding strong in that number one position. Although 71st looked really good, they moved up there to number two. Northern Nash, uh, still exceptionally strong team. Uh, three, South Point, Havelock, Dudley, uh, East Lincoln, Oak Grove, Greenville Rose, and Crest uh, wrapping up the 3A rankings. Uh, so um, a lot of really good teams, and a few of these teams are going to lay battle against each other uh, this week. So let's go ahead and go right into it, and we're going to start with the 3A East playoffs. I think that there's some very intriguing matchups in the 3A East. So there you see it right off the top. Uh, two rivals going head-to-head uh, up there outside of Rocky Mount in Southern Nash, traveling over to play rival Northern Nash, uh, Vance County, and Southern Durham. You know, those are two conference foes going at each other. Triton at Wilson Hunt, uh, Jacksonville at Havelock, Greenville Rose at 71st. Uh, that's a game that I've, I've certainly been looking at. Uh, Lee County in North Brunswick, Scotland at Terry Sanford, and Burlington Williams at Eastern Alamance, and that's again another game uh, that I've kind of intrigued, has uh, kind of intrigued me. And and before we go to you, Alex, I'm just going to kind of throw in there about that Burlington Williams Eastern Alamance game. Uh, you know, I think Williams is finally back to the old Sam Story days of Williams. Uh, Patrick Stokes, a Williams graduate, you know, he was a longtime lieutenant and off defensive coordinator uh, for John Kirby, obviously another legendary coach in his own right at Eastern Alamance. Patrick Stokes goes home. Um, you know, Eastern Alamance has what I think to be one of the most balanced teams. They got about 27 yards rushing, about 18 yards passing, 1,800 yards passing. Uh, Jason Ball's tremendous quarterback. Uh, they got some great backs in the backfield. But looking at Williams, and I think the strength of that team is that defense. And Will Rhodes, Grayson Lawyer, two of the best hard nose, find the way to the football tacklers I've seen. Uh, so I'll let you start with that one, Alex, and then we'll kind of look up there at that Northern Nash, Southern Nash game. I just want to make a point to remind everyone, who did Williams have to beat to earn this opportunity? Western Alamance. Once again, just another testament to Alamance County as another one of those football pockets in the state. We could go back to the days we talked about Sam Story at Williams. You talked about John Kirby at Eastern Alamance and before his time at Mooresville, Hal Caps at Western Alamance. Just every, this is week two of the Alamance, the Alamance County Fight Club. And maybe not with as uh, rich of recent history as, as uh, Cleveland County, what we're seeing play out right now, what we're seeing in the Smoky Mountain Conference, but uh, very akin to the Duplin County deal. And uh, we'll talk about Nash County in a little bit with the Southern Northern game. Um, another rematch for County and Conference Pride right here with two teams who battled it uh, w- within uh, one, two scores earlier this year. So, like I said, tradition renewed, as Chris said. It's really neat to see. Chris made the connection with Williams back to the Sam Story days and Eastern Alamance, you know, the thriving uh, uh, in the tradition of John Kirby. Just sit back and enjoy. Th- th- this is Central North Carolina's version of what we discussed earlier with Duplin County or what we'll talk about in a little while with Nash County or uh, what we'll t- with uh, Cleveland County. So sit back and enjoy it. And, and Alex, you know, 
Williams lost in a very close 20-17 game to Eastern Alamance. Yeah. Does Williams need to win this game to finally get back on the scene and, you know, say, hey, we're, we're for really good? Yes, yes. Um, what we've seen in the Alamance County Fight Club over two, three decades is you saw that progression back in Sam Story's heyday, Williams ruled the roost. Then we got into the late uh, the late nineties, early two thousands, when uh, Cummings was ruling everything. When when all those kids were playing football and basketball and winning championships, and uh, right around that same time when you had uh, Western make its run with How Caps and and do some damage there, and, and then the torch goes on uh, to uh, John Kirby and uh, and his eastern program right there which, which really has continued and thrived and gone on and on uh williams obviously with uh evolving uh population demographics a lot of that uh area around the school that aged out in terms of having families with young children which makes it harder to um sustain a successful program we've talked about that in several other parts of the state but it seems like it's come back around now and i do say that for Williams to entrench its standing as being an exa- another example of tradition renewed that a win over Eastern Alamance here would go a long way to do that. Oh, you know, another team that had to beat a rival was uh, Northern Nash. You know, Coach Kevin, or um, uh, not Kevin, um, Andrew Ferris's uh, Northern Nash team uh, <coughs> finally was able to get past the juggernaut of Southern Nash, who had kind of owned them for years. Uh, Keno Jones is one of the best quarterbacks I've seen in Eastern North Carolina. Uh, what do we see in that rivalry here in, in the second round? Same thing right there. Northern Nash is, has really come back around. Um, you think Northern Nash had a, a nice run in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, back around the time when uh, when Chad Green was there and, and uh, Jim Brett um, had had those strong teams, Northern Nash uh, had a down cycle with the opening of of Nash Central and then encountered the opening of the new Rocky Mount High facility. So uh, re- really some some tough times there. But uh, Northern Nash has uh, cycled back around and um, to be in a position, it, it's kind of like. Um, I, I, I liken this to the uh, Butler independence dynamic before Butler finally broke through, where Butler was able to get it done in the regular season. But until they broke through in the postseason, cementing their standing as a viable championship-level contender did not happen until they broke through in the postseason. So for Northern Nash, once again, to complete that cycle – and reestablish itself as in that traditional renewed category as they were in the late 90s, early 2000s. They need this postseason win over Southern Nash. All right. And before we move to the West, gentlemen, I want to kind of give you my two gurus special upset picks, I think, this week that could very well happen. I'm not going to call this an upset, but I do think Jacksonville is going to give Havelock everything they want and then some. I would not be surprised to see the Cardinals win. Uh, But if I was to pick an upset that I feel really solid about, I may have some egg on my face and eat some crow uh, next week. Uh, But I just think that Greenville Rose may be a team that could go in there and beat 71st in Fayetteville. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Everything on film makes me think that that's going to happen. 
I, I would go out on a limb and pick it, but we'll see. Uh, but anyway, gentlemen, let's take a look at the West. Uh, there you see it right there at the top half of the bracket, Smoky Mountain at Kings Mountain, High Brighton at West Charlotte, Ledford at Northwest Cabarrus, Tuscola at East Lincoln, uh, Crest at Oak Grove. I like that game a lot, by the way. Uh, South Point at Dudley. We're going to go into that one first. Eastern Guilford at Irwin, West Rowan at West Henderson. Uh, Dale, that's a big-time game uh, with um, Dudley uh, facing off against South Point. It is. Uh a couple of things to note in this game, Chris, is that Dudley has a tremendous offense. They have over 5,000 yards in offense, about 50% more than uh, South Point has. But one of the things that I think people don't recognize is that South Point has a very good defense. And in fact, they have more tackles for loss than Kings Mountain does, which uh, you know, everyone wants to recognize as having, you know, a great defense, and they do. Uh, one of the things I think South Point's going to need to – I believe that South Point is maybe slightly favored here, uh, but I believe they're going to need to throw the ball a little bit more than what they normally do. They've only thrown for a little over 500 yards this season. So uh, what I saw in that Kings Mountain game, was that they needed to throw more. And when they started throwing, they actually uh, changed some of the dynamics and were able to pull back a little bit, pull back in a little bit. But it was it was like, you know, too much or not enough too late kind of situation. So I think we're going to see a real good defense going against a very good offense. And that offense is uh, is very versatile on both sides of the ball. So uh, I think it's going to be a great ball game, to be quite honest with you. I agree. Hey, Coach Sam Griner, I'm not going to put you on the spot and give you an opportunity to give High Brighton any bulletin board material. Uh, but, you know, give us some insight of what you think concerns you about that High Brighton team. You know, it wasn't a couple of years ago they were winning state championships, uh, and I know they're still better than that 6-5 and five record. Uh, what can we expect from them? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Their film is amazing. They uh, they have, like, the scoreboard on the bottom part. Of, I mean, like, how they do stuff, their their field paint is amazing. And all I needed was Grice to run the scout team O for us this week. On um, The triple option, what they do is really, really good. And uh, I was looking for Grice. Grice was not available to take phone calls. He was practicing himself. But if we had that scout team, I'd feel a little bit more better about the game. Um, you know, they're they're really good at what they do. Uh, rain can always be a factor when you're exchanging hands uh, for both teams. You know, we're a gun team. And then if they're, you know, a triple option team, if you guys are exchanging hands where it possibly can touch a fullback, then go to a pitch, it can get a little shaky in the rain as well. So I think that will be a big factor how it plays out in the rain as well. Dale, what do you think about this West Charlotte team? So one of the things that, depending on field condition, I think that turf plays a huge fa uh, in favor of West Charlotte with uh, the speed that they've got on this team. Uh, that I tell you, after watching them play last week, it was very similar to their first round game last year. So we should have saw some kind of um, a similar result, but I've seen them twice this year and they've improved tremendously on offense. And I, I told Sam earlier that, uh, you know, you can have a great defense, which they do, but if you don't have a good offense, that really hurts your defense. And things really kind of flip differently in this game just from that one point of being able to generate some offense 
uh, to complement that defense. I, I, I think these the things are very favorable for uh, West Charlotte here. Um, but if the – and it's a turf, and that, that field does drain fairly well. Mm-hmm. But if the field's not a sloppy skiing match, uh, I think that favors West Charlotte. Hey, real quick before we move on, Grice, uh, or, or Cam, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you're a Northwest Bears guy. You know the, the South Piedmont Conference really well. you got a unique game uh, going on between Ledford and Northwest Friday night. Uh, what, what do you think we'll see from that contest? A lot of running. Uh, Ledford likes to run the ball. Uh, Northwest does a good job running the ball too, but – I think it'll be just which team can, you know, put their hats to the ball and get, you know, downhill on the defensive side of the ball and stop the run. Um, with it being, you know, probably going to be wet due to the rain, I think it'll be even even more running and, you know, less uh, throwing the ball. So we'll see how it goes. But and Cam, they throw that ball, Cam, they got to get that ball to Tevin Tucker. I mean, the Jamie commit, again, I, I remember us going against him. He's a guy circled, highlighted. He didn't play a lot in the game we faced. Uh, we faced him, thank goodness, because, I mean, every, I feel like every week after he's gone, even crazier since. So I think looking at that game, I'm highlighting him. And if I'm, you know, Coach Mormon, as I know he, you know, he does, he's done well so far this year, get him the ball in every way possible. Just raining, hand it to him, you know, whatever you've got to do with that to make sure he gets that ball in his hand. I think he's probably one of the best players in that game between both teams. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot again, Cam. Uh, West Rowan's going up to take on undefeated West Henderson. Uh, who do you think is going to win that one? Uh, you know, I, in my bracket, you know, from last week, I've got uh, West Rowan going a good little ways in the playoffs. Um, West Henderson struggled last week, if my memory serves me correctly, early in the game, pulled away late. But, yeah, I, I've got West Henderson on upset alert. And anybody want to take on that Crest Oak Grove game? I, Oak Grove's undefeated. They've got their best win being against a – underrated but a very decent West Forsyth team before a school uh won that game. Uh any anybody think Oak Grove's got anything for Chris? I think they do. I mean, I, but I think, again, here's another game where the weather is going to play it, take a toll. I mean, you got Javaris Green, one of the best receivers, I'd say, in Cleveland County. But if it's raining a lot, I mean, are we going to see Husky be able to get them the ball like that? I think South that South Point game and going back and watching that film, South Point literally took him away, double teamed him the entire game and said, deal with your offense away from him. And we saw that and we saw that they really struggled to do that. Here's a situation where Oak Grove coming off a tough uh, win um, over West Met. You know, they struggled there. I think Crest can be victorious, but the question is going to be if this weather really affects the game, can they do this without Green and Ken Husky and the rest of that offense really put up points if they try to neutralize him, whether by weather or by scheme? I see you. I see you think, Dale. Uh, by the way, this game features two of the best head coach play callers, I think, in the state going head to head Jim Sosby at Crest, Mark Holcomb at North. Uh, well, at Oak Grove, used to be North Davidson, 100 games at North Davidson. I think that's going to be a Donnybrook of a game. I think that's one to really keep an eye on. I, I don't think that uh, East Lincoln is going to have any issues uh, heading up uh, to take or to take on uh, Tuscola. I think that one will probably be over early. Uh, but let's move on and talk about the 4A. Uh, we're going to look at the rankings first. So there you see it right there. East Forsyth, a uh, very well-documented top team in the state. Newburn right there, number two. Huff, Chambers, Indy, Cardinal Gibbons, Charlotte Catholic, Mallard Creek, Hillside and, and Weddington. I, I think Weddington, you know, moving up in there. Um, any, any any discussion on this, gentlemen? Hmm. No. Nope. All right, let's move on then. Talk about you. Club girl, what do you want us to say? Like every thirty teams. Are we got something to say? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Newman in that number two position right there. Uh, Newman's had a fantastic season, but uh, once again, Newman hadn't proven anything yet. And until until Newburn proves that uh, it can do what it hasn't been able to do since 2019, and that's uh, get past the uh, Cardinal Gibbons defense led by Nick Drew. Oh, I mean, I mean but they haven't done it yet. The Bears have not done it yet. Now this, this has been this has been a building process for Newburn, and they've made terrific process, but no. Yes, that was a Nick Drew reference a minute into 4A. Everything is done from a statistical perspective. And Newburn getting that type of recognition is not going to happen and not going to be warranted until it gets past Nick Drew's defense. Have right. not been able to do it. Ring the bell again every time for the Nick Drew reference. I'll say it again. Nick Drew, okay, ring the bell again. That's fine. But Newburn hasn't gotten the job done. So, yes, I will make that statement. All right, let's take a look at this Eastern Bracket. And, Alex, I'm going to come right back to you for some uh, expert analysis on the Eastern Bracket. Uh, there you see them right there, 10-1 and one Apex, uh, traveling over uh, to Russell Blunt Stadium, playing Durham Hillside, 11-0. Uh, Pine Forest travels up to Holly Springs. That's a battle of two 9-2 teams. Uh, Millbrook, 10-1, and one, going over to Gibbons, 9-2. and two. Uh, Let's keep that one on the radar. Alex, Southern Ash at New Hanover. Uh, Leaves the road at Wake Forest. Uh, Rollsville at Cleveland. Uh, Reagan, or I mean, uh, take that back, Jordan traveling to Pinecrest. Hoggard at Newburn. Um, looking at that top side, I, I don't see Hillside having any problem advancing. I think that would be a, over right. early. Uh, right. Pine Forest, I think Pine Forest, I, in just my opinion, looking at the film, I think that they're just way too much for Holly Springs. I may be wrong, but uh, I think Bill Chishoka and that team right there at in Fayetteville, um, I think that's just way too much. Uh, but let's take – you uh, You brought up the Nick Drew reference. Let's go ahead and get into it. I don't think Mil, uh, Gibbons is going to have any problem whatsoever uh, with Millbrook. I may be wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in your take. Well, the one thing I noticed about Millbrook when I watched him earlier this year is Millbrook, however good offensively, and, yes, very, very good, no question, but Millbrook has shown a tendency – that when its receivers have to line up against a bona fide secondary like we saw against Heritage. Yes, Millbrook won that game, but did not get an offensive touchdown until into the third quarter. So when Millbrook's receivers have to line up against a bona fide secondary, that creates a unique challenge, which I think will factor in to uh, this game. We all know Nick Drew's uh, secondary is beyond bona fide, no question about that. I do think that Gibbons prevails in the end, and uh, we, we open the door to, to moving closer to the possibility of seeing Newburn against that Nick Drew defense. Yep. Uh, New Hanover, I don't think it's going to have any trouble with Southern Alamance. Uh, you look at that late uh, Leesville Road at Wake Forest game, I think that that's an interesting game. Ultimately, I think Wake Forest just has way too much power. Uh, Rolls with Cleveland, I think, is a tremendous game as well. I do think Cleveland, and I'm just going to give a little bit of a nod to Coach Scott Riley and that Cleveland bunch. I think that talent-wise, their level, uh, and, and I think even you could say that Rosal's got more playmakers, uh, but I think just the coaching and, and the experience level of that Cleveland team would lead me to think uh, that they've got the edge. Uh, what do you think, Alex? 
I do agree with that. Cleveland has not missed a beat after the graduations of Omarion Hampton and Skylar Locklear and uh, a number of the guys up front. It's really remarkable what we've seen uh, with Jackson Bird this year and um, the, the, the leadership in terms of moving the ball around. Several, uh, Three guys with uh, – 400 yards receiving, I think it is. So the, the balance, which has just uh, propelled Cleveland forward, has been really, really impressive. I do think that the um, that their depth across the board in terms of what we see, uh, Jackson spoke about how those guys have played together for years and come up through that, uh, that uh, community program, I think is going to put them over the top. Uh, another little fun factor right there. You know, uh, Cleveland coach Scott Riley is a Cardinal Gibbons grab, by the way. Cool. And just to throw it out there, you know, uh, Richard Shooping, the new head coach at Rollsville, uh, son of Todd Shooping, longtime East Forsyth coach, tremendous coach in his own right. I, I think Richard Shooping's got everything written on him to be an extremely great head coach over the years. But again, I just kind of yield, yield to experience uh, there with Coach Scott Riley. He's been there, he's done it, was a part of them big time Mark Morris head coaching staffs, uh, Harnett Central. So I just think a lot of Scott Riley. Um, Pinecrest right there, I think that they rolled and Hoggard and Newburn, I, I think that's a tough game. Would I be surprised if Hoggard hung tough? Uh, no, uh, but I, I definitely think Newburn uh, is the better team. Uh, but, gentlemen, let's go ahead and take a look at this 4A West, uh, The just the gauntlet that is the 4A West. You want to talk about the 4A Fight Club, Grice? This is it. Uh, Catholic and, Indi- and Grimsley. Uh, I, if I'm Grimsley, I'm worried. I'm, I'm worried sick about that game. I think Catholic's just going to go up there and, and physically wear them out. Uh, I seen the film earlier of the year of Grimsley and Reagan going head to head, and I thought Reagan was the better team and probably should have won that game. But, you know, Grimsley pulled it out. Uh, we saw what Catholic did to, Grim- to Reagan last week. So I just think Catholic, the big red machine, or it's like some of the coaches out there call them the clone army. Uh, they're just going to do what Catholic does. Uh, Olympic at Independence, I think that is a very compelling game. Uh, Mallory Creek at Huff, obviously a rematch there. Uh, Mount Tabor taking on CPC foe East Forsyth. Uh, Northwest Guilford at Watauga. I'm really big on this Northwest Guilford team. I think Tanner Ballou, quarterback there. I really like that Northwest team. Uh, Cox Mill at Wadington. I know you got a little bit to say about that one, Grice. Uh, Chambers at AC Reynolds. And then Butler taking on Mooresville. Uh, gentlemen, I'm just going to throw it up to discussion. I don't know where we want to start, but uh, we'll start right there at the top, uh, Catholic and Grimsley. Well, I'll tell you what, this whole West is just yeah. brutal. I mean, <laughs> Just a bru- I mean, there's just brutal games across the board. I mean, beyond That's one of those are good matchups or good no. games. Right, right. And I literally had twice. Catholic. Uh, I, I, I don't think Grimsley's seen a team like Catholic, and and by that I mean the toughness that comes uh, into the game. And guys, I got a little bit off the script right there. I, I was so excited to break into these games that I completely forgot uh, that we've got a video uh, from Mallet Creek head football coach Kennedy Tinsley. Uh, so I really want us to hear that before we get to this discussion. So hold your thoughts. Let's go to that video. All right, coach. Obviously, tough win, hard fought win, but you move on. You face Huff in the second round. What do you think? You know, your team did well tonight. What do you think they need to clean up on heading into the second round of the playoffs? Uh, biggest thing is the penalties and uh, lack of execution of offense. So we got a lot to work on, but we talked about uh, earlier, man, uh, facing adversity and finding a way. So I am proud of them for that. This was ugly. I mean, we had 20 penalties almost or more. Uh, but the guys dug deep and found a way. We got some guys get banged up and some other guys stepped up. So, um, man, just forcing to continue to move forward, man. Blessed to be with such a great group of people as far as their families 
and the players and the coaches. Um, so we just wanted to go one more week, right? And that's yep. what we've been saying, and we found a way. And, you know, obviously the big talk of this team has been the defense, the defense all season. Can this team's defense truly be their best offense, you know, going into tougher rounds of the playoffs now? Yeah, well, they've been it all year long. Uh, and then we just got to continue to improve until everything clicks for us. I think when everything is clicks, we have a chance to be really good. But when things don't click, we got to find a way. And, uh, and they definitely did that tonight. And so what do you, what are the biggest challenges Huff presents you guys? You know, obviously you beat them once this year. It's hard to beat a good team twice. Sure. But what's the recipe to do it? Uh, how to execute. There you go. All right, uh, we just seen Coach Kennedy Tinsley. Let's talk about that one first. Uh, you got Mallet Creek at 8-3 going on to take on Huff and a rematch. Dale, I'm going to let you start us off with that one. Uh, it's so hard to beat a team twice in the same wow. season. What do we think about that? Especially, you know, you got a you got conference foes who have become rivals. They're both great teams. And, yeah, it's hard to beat a, a – and that's there's that's not just a cliche. It's actually true when you look at it. When these when great teams face each other again, a lot of times it flips the other way. So this is this is going to be a hard hitting, great football game. A lot of emotion, and you know we talked about this last week. You know playing with emotion or playing emotional, and that might be one of the things is uh, if they both who who does not keep their emotions under. Uh, under control, managing it in this game. That's going to be great for Big game for Jenkins, too. Jenkins, uh, the first time he called the offense this year, I think, was versus Mallet Creek. And, you know, Mallet Creek had the two pick sixes to, you know, to win the game, what, 14 to nine, I think it was, um, or 13 to nine, 13 to nine, because they did still block an extra point. That's how good Huff's defense is as well. I think that Jenkins trying to get a little bit of redemption of him calling the offense, getting a little bit more flow of it. I think he wants to redeem himself. Did they play at Huff last time or was it at Mallet Creek? I don't know that. It was at Huff. It was at Huff, so, you know, get to go back there at home again. Uh, I think I think Huff is going to be a tough team to beat right here. If I had to guess who would win this, they want to put me on the building board. I, I mean, I love Mallet Creek and Huff. I think both of them are great. <laughs> we couldn't beat neither one, but I would give the edge to Huff that game. Sam, can I ask you a question? So, you've yeah. seen them both. Um, what's the one thing that Mallet Creek – really needs to achieve to win this game? Um, definitely. The, the number playing. one thing. Play not emotionally, but play with emotion. <laughs> <laughs> and how about Huff? Now, you know, Huff's got a great kicking game. Best kicking game I've seen. Um, I think in, in defensive games, yeah, that's a huge thing. Well, the, the thing about Huff, Huff will be the – I, I would crown Huff the state champions out of this whole group, and I know that that's saying a lot because there's a lot of great teams. If they're able to do one thing, if they're able to understand their identity of working together, they are the best defense, and there's a lot of good defenses here. I mean, you know, like the one they're going against might be the next best, Mallet Creek, but I say Huff's defense is the best defense in the whole West or the whole overall state. And if they understand to play behind that defense and okay that – punt is an okay play and let the defense make plays and be able to use that field goal kicker. Sometimes you might have to win a game 12 to seven, something of that nature. Be comfortable not trying to outdo your defense because you have a high powered, you know, quarterback going to North Carolina. Sometimes you don't have to, you know, throw the ball around. Sometimes you just play smash mouth and play behind the defense. And if they figure out that identity 
playing these close games and being okay with just a little bit of a lead, I think they're unbeatable. Cam, you've seen these teams. Uh, I want to let you give your thoughts on this Huff-Mallard Creek game. You know, I said last time that I thought Huff was a tougher team, and, you know, Mallard Creek proved me wrong. I doubt this game that Tad's going to throw two pick sixes, especially one from the six-yard line. Um, I just – I think Huff has – well, one key is that they're going to have Markel quick back. He was out the last game. He's one of Tad's go-tos. So, you know, Mallard Creek's really got to find some identity on the offensive side of the ball. Trey Robinson, uh, their – what was their backup quarterback, uh, Justin Wheeler, started the year. Um, he Trey Robinson's going to get the start the rest of the playoffs, at least from what I'm told. So – yeah, I think it'll be a good game. I don't think it'll be lopsided in Huff's favor, but I think Huff can get the job done. And the winner of that game would be most likely taking on East Forsyth. Oh, we'll see how that one shakes out with him and Mount Tabor. Uh, taking a, kind of going backwards and looking at that top half of the bracket, obviously you got Catholic at Grimsley and Dell. I'll go back to you on your thoughts. And then you see the second game, Olympic and Independence. Um, and, and I'm trying not to look too far ahead, but, you know, I would like to think that maybe we could see an Independence Catholic rematch from earlier in the year. We know how that oh, wow. one turned out. But with that being said, Dale, I'm going to give it to you first. A Catholic at Grimsley, I want to let you finish your thought and also kind of jump ahead and tell us what you think about that Indy Olympic game. So in the Catholic-Grimsley game, you don't get to be 11-0 without obviously being good. But I do believe that there's a difference in the competition that the two teams have played the level of football that the two teams have had to play at. And Catholic has played a much, I think, brutaler schedule overall. Uh, and this is just the, the kind of team you don't want to have to host in a second-round game, uh, a Charlotte Catholic. So uh, I, I think Grimsley's going to have to play just phenomenal football to beat Catholic, especially after what we saw Catholic do last week. As to the – Independence Olympic game, boy, this is um, this is an anomaly here for me. Uh, obviously, I, I have some some ties to Olympic and would like to think that Olympic's going to be able to walk into this game um, and and compete. And I just really believe it's going to come down to where they're at emotionally. They they've got a good defense when that defense plays, and they're going to need it. Uh, but they're going to have to play. This is one of those where emotion, you've got to have a little bit more of an element. One of the things we talk about a lot is getting over hurdles. And Olympics at 11 and 0, first time they've won 11 games in a season. So they they did they've got two firsts. They're you know, first undefeated season in a or undefeated regular season and now at 11 wins. Now for some programs that's nothing. To an Olympic, that's big, and actually, for to an Olympic, for most of their com, uh, competitors throughout the history, it's getting to eleven wins less a Catholic is is a phenomenal thing to do. Uh, reaching twelve and winning a big second round game like this, uh, it would be do great for the program. But they got to. I really do believe that not only are the players going to have to play well, but they're going to have to have that extra element. I think they're going to have to be able to play um, with emotion and not get emotional and not get down if Indy punches them in the mouth early. 
Yep. Hey, Sam, I want to come to you on this top half of the bracket before we shift to the bottom half. And I want you to put your coaching hat on. Obviously, you're not playing any of these teams, but I know you've mm-hmm. seen uh, Catholic a lot over the years, and we know how dangerous they can be, and especially since Mike Brodowitz took over. And I've even seen it a lot on film this year. I think the sneaky thing about Catholic is that they suck you in run after run after run, but I think that they're a vastly good passing team and yeah. have shown that they can pass in big situations. How does that change the discipline of the Grimsley defense of how they have to take on that passing game? Because, you know, situationally, I just think that Catholic can kill you with the pass even more so than the run, like in the old days. Well, what you have to do is most people have to play defense of the week when they're going against a Catholic. It's not something you can just do a regular 4-3, 4-2-5 versus a lot of times you have to play more of a 50 front And most times the tight end is such a big factor. What you want to do is you need to have a guy that's big enough and athletic enough to play in a six technique to take on the tight end like right away. So you don't want him to be able to down block in the run game. You don't want him to free release in the passing game or arc release to get the backers. So you got to have a guy that can sacrifice and not get his eyes in the backfield, but focus on the tight end. I don't know how disciplined or well that guy can be in a high school setting to be able to do that, but that's how you would kind of have to, attack a wing T team that's so good at using the tight end. And uh, I, it's going to be a hard thing to do for Grimsley. I mean, Catholic has been there, done that. A lot of state championships. They want to get into this 4A and let them know that they're a hard team to beat. They dominated 3A for the last, what, seven or eight years. And I think it's time for them now to take the next step. Um, I still think Catholic and Independence has some of the most complete offenses in this top half. Their offenses are sound. They both can run and they both can throw the ball well. We'll love to see that match up again in the next round. Can I ask Grice a question? Uh, Grice, how much wing T do you see up in that area, the, uh, up in the Greensboro area? I don't think you see as much anymore. I mean, I'm trying to think of their schedule. I mean, none of the top teams really, you know, run that. I mean, I think you do see some QB run, you know, kind of spreading that out. You know, there's a lot of bubbles, a lot of vertical routes. But, I mean, I don't think of a lot of teams, and, I mean, Guru even kind of backed me up on this, that are that are still true, like, wing-based offenses. I think you more – I would say – to be honest, Grice, I would say the last of the wing te- era teams in the triad was probably your Northeast Guilford team, yeah. Tommy Persley, back in the day. Yep, yep. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, think- I, I agree. And that's a good, astute observation with you, Dale, and asking that. Uh, let's take a look at that bottom half of the bracket. Northwest Guilford, uh, they spread it out. Coach Kevin Wallace has done a tremendous job uh, with the Vikings right there. They're going up the mountain to play at a really tough place to play in October, November at Watonga. Uh, the wind will certainly be a factor in trying to sling that ball around. I, I do think the home field advantage, the turf, you know, the weather, the conditions that could play in to uh, Watauga's favor. Although I do think that uh, Northwest Guilford is a vastly better team, uh, but we shall see. Uh, Cox Mill at Weddington. I, I do want to get to you on a second on that one, Grice. And then look at the bottom half of it Chambers at Reynolds, uh, Butler at Mooresville. And Grice, I'll just come to you first. And I don't want by any means you to give us any bulletin board material. I'm not asking you to pick a winner, but just tell us what is it about this Weddington team? Because I know you've looked at them on film uh, that just makes them such a solid program. Oh, I mean, they're just disciplined. I think the level of discipline that they have is higher than 95, 99% of programs. I, I think. 
the the way that Coach Capone has them playing, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that they all buy into his system and what he wants to do, I, I think is at a level that isn't matched by a lot of programs. And I think it shows in how they excel, especially against the teams that are around them. I mean, I really think you only see them, you know, have that chance, you know, have the, the ability to falter against the other teams, you know, maybe in the Charlotte area or, or things like that deep into the playoffs. Uh, you know, funny, I call them the, the Chambers of Union County. I think they have that level of just, you know, the stature with the program. You've got one of the, the key names in college football, clearly as a, as a Weddington you know, high grad. So I think you're really seeing them kind of at the height of, of where they are as a program. So it's going to be a fun game. I mean, we're excited. They actually we had a, a doubleheader with the third round soccer game uh, going on before. So, I mean, I imagine that place is going to be rocking. You talk about crazy places to play. Um, you can see that on film. I mean, fans are hanging off the side of the stadium. Um, so, you know, we're excited to go down there and try to go get one. I think, yeah, the two the two hottest teams in the entire state right now are Cox Mill and Independence. Yeah. Both of them are high power, and if they get rolling, they're hard to stop. And I think that yeah. Cox Mill can surprise you here, even though they're going to a tough place to play and wet it to It's a lot of tradition. I think if they get the game rolling, they're good, they're sound, that they can run the ball enough, the box is light, and they're able to throw the ball and do certain things that the box is heavy. And I think Grice is prepared for this. I think he's not going to talk about it, but I think he's ready and, and he's excited to see where he's at. He's got the weapons behind him to do so, but you got to be able to take down a program. A program is something that's been there, done that for many, many years. Just like Catholic, it's hard to beat those programs. They're not going to hand you the game. You got to go snatch it. Right. So, so Weddington is a lot like Catholic. They're they're highly disciplined in their in their gameplay, and when I mean disciplined, I mean. Uh, players know what they're supposed to do by position, where they're supposed to be on the field, where, how they're supposed to flow. Uh, they play great technique. I think number 22 for Cox Mill is going to your, – your Grice is going to need to use him a little bit. I'm sure he's already got his game plan going, but Weddington's a, a punch-you-in-the-mouth team like a Charlotte Catholic. They're very physical. Uh <laughs> But I, I agree with you on uh, on Cox Mill being one of the hottest teams uh, in the state. I definitely one thing before before Cam gets, on, I want I want to hear what Cam's got to say about that game about Cox Mill and Weddington. But like, I'm curious to know if if my man Grice has got the cojones to do like some ghost pulling. Like a lot of times you go against a team that's so well coached, you got linebackers that are reading the guards or something like that. They're running buck sweeps, and all of a sudden. That linebacker's meeting the, the guards before they even get there because he sees it. He's not looking in the backfield. He's so disciplined and reading his key. I've seen teams that see that they're so well-disciplined that they'll ghost pull and run like daggone, you know, uh, like a trap, but it's not really a trap. They're just pulling both guards out making sure that the both inside linebackers go with it, and they run like daggone dive up there with pulling both guards outside, things like that. Love I mean, to like that. We got, we got that. It's usually I'm yelling after because my guard went the wrong way. That's that's our version of go <laughs> I hear you. I hear Weddington you. flows to the ball very well, though. That's yeah. well, that's what I'm saying. Like you flow to the ball, but like if you're reading keys and pulling guards, if, I'm telling you, I've seen teams do ghost pulls in nature, but that'd be pretty. I mean, it's risky, but sometimes you got to do things like that. But you know, hey, they run misdirection themselves. So <laughs> I'll ask you this, though, Griner, because I want to go back, you know, 15 years ago when I was coaching. Uh, does a team like Weddington that is so well coached and so 
just fundamentally sound on what they do is it sometimes make it easier for you to coach against them because you know exactly what those ends are going to do. You know when the, the linemen are going to squeeze. You know the stunts. You know that those players are always going to be where they need to be versus maybe playing an undisciplined team where you just have no clue where they're going. Does it make it a little bit easier in preparing? You, In my opinion, I think I'd rather go against – a team that's not as disciplined where you can be able to trap the game's a little bit different. We can block down and kick out and create gaps. Um, going against a well-coached team, it, you sometimes have to do things where you log more. Uh, if you might be doing pulls, but now it's more of a log. Now you got to out athlete them um, because they're so good at squeezing a wrong arm and whatever they're being coached. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a difficult thing to do to change up that week. No doubt. Yeah. Hey, Cam, I want to come to you now. Uh, look at those bottom two games here in the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, Chambers at Reynolds. You know, Reynolds, I think, was the benefactor of about nine A.O. Brown turnovers last week, and it just snowballed quickly on the Wonders. They were up 41-7 to seven, uh, at the half, ended up winning that game 55-14. to 14. Uh, They're taking on Chambers. Uh, I know you've seen Chambers a lot. I know you've seen a lot of these teams in the Charlotte area. Uh, I know that Coach Shane Laws and that Rocket team is talented, uh, they got guest uh, the the running back up there that's just can seems like he can score from anywhere on the field at any given time. Uh, but will they've got? Do you think they're going to have the power and just the strength to really get up there and take advantage of a, a Chambers team? Well, I mean, my Chambers was my team coming into the playoffs as uh, my four A champ. So I don't think that AC will win, but I, I think this is a team that Chambers can't get complacent on and you know fall asleep on, or you know they just like any team could pull off an upset. So, I mean, it's not really even an upset based on seeding. But, I mean, if you look at Chambers, I mean, they're just fast at every position. So, I think speed's going to, you know, be an issue, as Dale, you know, brought up in our chat here. So, you know, I, I give the edge to Chambers, but, you know, don't get complacent. Yeah, Mountain, you know, I hate to say it, but when teams from down here go up to the mountains and they take that speed and the thing that, you know, you don't account for – is that Chambers has speed on the on the with the big boys? The Hogs are fast as uh, not just the skill position guys. They've got speed across the entire uh, field. So yeah, their D tackle is fast. Say again, Sam. Their D tackle is fast. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like you and, said, like the weather could now it's still going to be warm. But if it was like snowing or something, and AC Reynolds, that would have been. That's a tough little spot, you know. That would have been that would have been tough to deal with. I'm gonna throw something in here. We went to we went to AC Reynolds twice. Uh, in both games, we played in pouring rain in the playoffs. Of course, we got trounced, but uh, that's a that's an interesting place to be in the pouring rain. It's a great environment, Chambers people. You're gonna enjoy the environment. Travel. It's a great stadium. Always at a great stadium. Mm -hmm. No doubt. And, uh, Cam, I'm going to bring it right back here to you. Uh, and also want you to touch on that Butler and Mortal game. Uh, yeah, well, first I was going to say that Cox Mill and Weddington game is a, a little bit intriguing to me. Uh, we said last week, you know, Weddington and Marvin Ridge could be a close game. You know, ended up being two scores, uh, you know, a 10-point Weddington win. But it was a lot closer than even I anticipated. So, I mean, don't – you know, Grice is going to have them guys ready to go in there and pull off that upset. But uh, looking at Butler and Mooresville, you know, I had Hickory Ridge beating Butler last week. I was the only one that picked that. Uh, they had a 7 nothing lead, but then, you know, Butler just flexed their muscle a little bit. Uh, you know, that's, I don't – I guess, you know, Mooresville, they got a great running back, but at the same time, you know, Butler, they've got a 
very solid defense. So, yeah, I think that game could go either way. Mm-hmm. I tend I to think strictly, strictly turnovers in that game. It, it, whoever wins that turnover battle will win that game, I think, Butler and Morris. But I think they're that close of a uh, matchup, really do. Well, gentlemen, before we finish it up here at the 4A, any, any upsets, anybody, Alex, any, anything in the West, anybody want to pick any upsets or how we think it's going to turn out this Thursday and Friday? No, wish crickets. We wish we were playing Thursday. <laughs> crickets? Upsets, yeah, probably Catholic that, over Grimsley. I think, hey, Guru, I think I that's the interesting thing to go through these games versus mm-hmm. Thursday versus Friday, and I think – that you know, like it's interesting that of course AC Reynolds, I heard laughed when Chambers asked to play on Thursday and said, "No, nah, bring your butt up this mountain for Friday." That's going to be interesting. A game like Butler versus Mooresville, if that's still on Friday, I haven't heard if that's been moved. You talk about Butler with one of the best yeah. young quarterbacks with Zach Lawrence having to go in a rain game where you got Mooresville, where I Jameer Cherry's a, a good quarterback, but we also know that they're going to give that ball to Juwan Howell and um, uh, Westmoreland, the, the other running back, and they're going to run downhill all freaking game. So. I think the Thursday versus Friday, I almost wish we had like a T and an F versus every uh, on the side of every game because I think that creates a different dynamic for some of these games. It may actually kind of tilt in certain you know certain ways and make it closer than it should be. Karen, we need a lot. We need a lot bigger stipend if we're going to play on Saturdays. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we see Karen Belk. Uh, Karen Belk said she wished everybody played on Saturday. What do we think about that, Alex? Uh, Yes, I'm going to sound off on that. That is an absolute farce and abomination. And here's the deal right here. That is against the grain in terms of reaffirming if high school football wants to have any efficacy whatsoever, then we have to hold our ground that Friday is for high schools, Saturday is for college, and Sunday is for the NFL. If we're going to have any efficacy whatsoever, that but we don't have back. that. We've lost that. NFL plays whenever, and so does college. So absolutely, but it doesn't mean that we cave. Why in the world do I mean that? That's that is that's an insult and an affront to the work that our exemplary teacher coaches like Sam Griner, Jonathan Grice, and so many others do in serving young people, and you want these coaches to come in and give up Saturdays on the, this is not the NFL. (laughs) This is ridiculous. You want these educator coaches to give up even more time with their families. Karen's the sweetest person you ever meet. That is ridiculous. No, I, I, I am. I am thoroughly upset about this. This is an affront to the work that our educators do who first and foremost are classroom teachers and carry over their exemplary teaching into the field or the court or wherever else, whatever the field of sport in which they play. And you want to make it a norm for them to do this on Saturday? Okay, Alex, that is Alex, you didn't say it was a Alex, norm. Alex, hold on. Didn't say she wanted we, it to be a norm. We, we've been on there for two hours and ten minutes. I got to run fresh faces. <laughs> <laughs>
right, we've got another edition of Fresh Faces. Hey, there's a playoff edition. So, again, some guys we want to make sure that you guys were aware of. But we've got G&G back. i got Coach Griner here with me. Um, as we get started, Griner, let's go ahead and head to the Raleigh area. We've got Donovan Dozier. Uh, this 6'3", 238-pound senior defensive end had three sacks and a big 50-8 to eight win over Nightdale Friday. Um, you know, for the season, man, this guy's 38 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, and five sacks. He is a key leech, linchpin in Nick Drew's defense. We know all about Nick Drew. <laughs> Here's a guy making it happen. Griner, talk about what you see here. Well, I mean, definitely 6'3", 240. I mean, that's that's what you want a defensive end. And to be able to have that end zone camera, look at this, look at this chop up right here. Every every school needs an end zone camera just so that you can highlight these guys in the trenches. This guy's got great hands, good swim move, able to see the ball scoop, get in the box, get in the box, get in the box. That's what big we gotta time. do right there. That was big time performance there. Let's move back to the Queen City. Uh, let's go Dylan Kersher from Charlotte Country Day. Again, he's a senior, so he's uh, unfortunately played his last game. But this guy, again, 5'8", 150, uh, ran 106 times for 633 yards and five touchdowns this year. Caught 13, had 13 receptions for 156 yards and a touchdown. And then on defense, Griner, we love these stat sheet stuffers. He led the team with 109 tackles, including six tackles for a loss, and he had one and a half sacks. That's a big-time stat stuffer this year as he was key for Charlotte Country Day, Griner. Another ice bucket guy, another ice bucket guy. Definitely, big time there. Uh, let's stay here in the Queen City. Actually, go a little bit north to Cornelius. Samari Matthews, big time DB uh, for Huff High School. Again, freshman defensive back. He already has six D1 offers. This year, he's got 23 tackles and a pick this season. I mean, a dominant performer and a guy, honestly, I, I feel like is going to be one of the next big time DBs here in the area. Unfortunately, Grinder, he got that pick against us. I hate to still be the only one there to, to throw <laughs> at him. And, and I, I had to learn the hard way. But, Grinder, talk about what you see here in this great DB's film. Well, his arm length is something that stands out to me yeah. that's so significant. I think that's what colleges are seeing is his length. He's only a freshman, but he's able to get his hands in there and stab a lot of balls. So I bet you his PBUs are extremely high, even though he don't have a lot of picks. Um, this guy's got a huge upside. Obviously, if six Division One schools are coming after him right now, this guy's going to – we're going to be talking about him a lot for the next three years. Oh, definitely, for sure. And I think I, I think I put on tape of, hey, let's not throw the ball his way. But uh, either way, Smart, getting kid I've known for a while. I'm glad to see, uh, see us finally highlight him and see his great success going forward. Let's move back east, uh, go out to Holly Springs. Joel Sheehan, 6'2", 177-pound junior. Again, completed 27 of 41 passes, 347 yards and two touchdowns and a big uh, overtime 36-33 win over Richmond Senior on Friday night. Through nine games, Sheehan completed 126 of 185 passes, over 1,800 yards, and 18 touchdowns against only five interceptions. Also got a little bit of running in, had 136 yards and a score on 25 carries. Again, big-time quarterback. We've talked about these emerging quarterbacks down east. Here's another one we can add to the list as he goes into his senior year. Griner, look at that pocket presence. What else do you see in this kid? Yeah, no, he does got great pocket presence. But to be able to just win that playoff game versus a – you know, historic Richmond County team, that's tough. That's tough. I know they started off the season kind of rough, you know, Richmond County, but in the playoff time, you knew they were going to figure some things out and to be able to beat them in the overtime, it shows a lot about this kid and his leadership. Definitely. Big-time kid, and like I said, had a big-time performance, and I think he's going to really, you know, go use that as momentum for a really good senior year. Um, but, again, that was another edition of Fresh Faces. As we say, Griner, we cover them from where? Man, Murphy to Manio, baby. Murphy to Manio. So if you're a big-time player, again, if you're still playing, you're help driving your team's success, and we haven't highlighted you, reach out to us uh, at Observer Preps, uh, at Langston Works Jr., at Coach Jay Grice. All of those, again, our parameters, Murphy to Manio. We look forward to seeing you. But that was another edition of Fresh Faces, the GG edition. We'll see you next week.
All right, guys, this has been a great show. We've been on forever. Uh, Karen, I hear you. You, know, you forgot about the college games. I know you did teach 39 years, and appreciate you watching the show, and I, I get all your sentiments there. Guys, thanks for everybody for staying with us for two hours and 15 minutes. We set a record tonight. Chris, you did a phenomenal job hosting. I got to sit in the back and just watch. And we'll be back next week. I promise, I promise, I promise we will not be two hours and 15 minutes ever again. <laughs> uh, but this was a great show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I see there's still 172 of you watching, which is insane. Um, I'm Langston. That's Austin Contrarian. That's Dale Ross, longtime CMS follower. That's uh, The Get, The Guru in Training, Cameron Williams. That's The Coach, Sam Griner. And The Guru, the number one voice high school football, Chris Hughes. And we are Talking Brips.